West West y'all. Welcome to the Back on 155 podcast. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Cameron. No worries. Thanks for coming. I first heard you on the radio last week. You, you kept on 1ZB. You are talking to Heather. You were talking to her about taggers ruining your art around town. Because you, who, who you are, you're a, you're a street artist that is hired by the Auckland Council to paint murals around the city. Sometimes. Sometimes. All sorts of people hire me to do stuff. So yeah, I'm a commercial artist, uh, freelancer, and street artists do stuff for free most of the time. Mm. Yeah. What is the difference between what well, you're saying, the commercial and the street artist? So commercial is um, more more about the product. Um, freelance is more about. Usually, I get to do what I want for someone and get paid to do it. And then um, I guess the, the just the street art is just doing what i want to do completely no no financial um no financial incentive involved it's just just making art for the sake of making art because you've done a lot of work because i saw you on your instagram you're taking photos of all your work around around the city and stuff like that so full-time that's like this is all i really do i if i'm oh. not getting paid to do it i'll find a way to do it for free and i do everything legal that's i used to do it legally and I made a decision after I after I got some really huge amount of charges uh, for doing it illegally that I didn't want to be in prison and I I thought you know I can now I'll do the same stuff but legally and um, now I can be a voice for all the people that can't talk to the the media or the the police or the the council or any of these government and and say anything because if they did they get they get charged and go to court and you know so all that stuff i can i can now actually engage with the council for instance and talk to them and that's that's only because i'm not doing it legally anymore so. mm. back then when you were doing it illegally and you had that thought that you kind of thought how did that process go from a to b like you made the decision because you, you had to get the council on board with what you were, you're passionate about doing yeah how did, it, and, how how did, did that start because because uh, like when you think of the the general public they probably understand one thing graffiti and tagging yeah you know when it, when it comes to street art there's no there's no thought of beautiful painting a large beautiful painting sort of thing so i was door knocking to get permission because that's that's the the easiest way to get permission is to approach random like shotgun approach approach heaps of different locations that have wall space that faces the public and ask permission and i was i was really struggling it was like um i think it's around six years ago now i was i was door knocking and i was like fuck this is hard why am i why am i like why am i smashing my head up against this wall and it's so hard to get yes 
mm. and um because <clears throat> i was living i was living overseas previously and it was i was doing great overseas i was making lots of money i was i was basically a full-time artist and so you're doing street art overseas yeah well. and then, oh, so i okay. come back to new zealand and that's the cause all, all my family's here and i was like i, I don't want to like see my you know my nephews and nieces not knew who i am so i was like i'm gonna re relocate back to auckland and i came back and i was like all right let's do what i was doing overseas so i went door knocking didn't work and i was like what why is this not working so i called i did some i did some like research and i started looking into like um how much do they remove like the illegal stuff and it was like okay everything like 100 percent of the illegal stuff gets removed that's a little bit different to other, every, I mean, most cities around New Zealand don't do that. And they don't do that where, where I was working overseas. So I was like, okay, that's different. And then there was like, how about getting permission? How hard is it to actually get permission for like council walls? And it was like, this is fucking impossible. And then, so I was like, there's some, there's something wrong here that I'm not understanding completely. And then it sort of clicked that there was nowhere near as much murals and street art around Auckland as there was in these other major cities I'd visited. And I was like, that's maybe that's the reason why I'm struggling so hard to get yeses when I go door knocking because people just don't see it in their everyday life. So how can they want something they don't know about? And and is it the is it like a education thing that is it the big difference between graffiti and and murals, and when you say I'm gonna paint your wall and mural, that's what they automatically. I think so. I think that's what they like, automatically think about. You want that crap? You want to put that crap on my wall? <laughs> like I'm I'm literally calling the council to get them to remove that stuff, and you're saying you're gonna come do it, mm. like, and you want me to pay you to no? <laughs> so mm. yeah, there's a there's a bit of a. There's a bit of a problem there. Um, because I'm sure there's a lot of examples of your kind of artwork overseas, right? The the cities that adopt areas in their town that have an exhibition of murals on walls. Um, I know if, uh, Philadelphia has a big part, yeah. a big um, art street art scene. Detroit has Miami Basel where every year mm. they have like mural artists and street artists and all sorts of graffiti artists and everything from all over the world. The best of the best come and they have this massive festival and all the buildings get painted with beautiful artwork and it stays there and then the next year they do it again next year so now there's like full neighborhoods just completely covered in art and you go to melbourne and there's same thing like full suburbs where every single street every single fence every single like wall you you it's it's just mind-blowing and um there's full laneways in Melbourne where it's totally legal. You can just paint there whenever you want. You just go there and paint. There's no permission process. You just you just go ham. And there's beautiful artwork everywhere. There's some tagging in these areas, but generally people have this massive incentive to do something good because other artists are going to paint over quick, easy done stuff. The, the, the good stuff gets left by the other artists and the the fast stuff usually gets painted over. That that doesn't mean they don't have a massive tagging problem in Melbourne. Don't get me wrong. There's fucking like so much tagging around. But In Melbourne, they have that alleyway that all the hip-hop guys do the, do the music videos and there's skinny alleyway with it's just graffiti like on both sides and it's real colourful. 
like when there's tagging everywhere, yeah. but then there's like heaps of art everywhere. Yeah. You don't really care so much about the tagging. Yeah, but yeah. when all your walls are just white and gray and plain colors, and then you've got a tagging problem, then I think the tagging is way more noticeable. So it's almost like Auckland Auckland Council and the powers that be say like, we don't like tagging. And it's like, okay, let's think of how could you make a rule book that would get you the worst possible outcome for tagging. And they literally have that set of rules. So it's like for a bunch of people that say they don't like tagging, it's a bit strange to me that that's the rules they have set up is that it's real hard to get permission and they remove everything, even the good stuff. So well, It seems like there's a thin line between what is a mural, what is graffiti, what is tagging. To, to the council, it means the same thing. Or to the average Joe. Hey, that's why you're getting some pushback. So there's, there's legality. Do you have permission? Do you not have permission? Yep. And then there's street art, graffiti. They're basically the same thing. It's just... One is words... One is not words. One is one is shapes that have become letters. The other one is letters that haven't become shapes yet. So there's like just, it's just the same thing, man. It's like it's just pitch, it's just paint on a wall, really. Like and and if it's illegal, they call it graffiti vandalism, even if it's bloody good. And if it's legal, they call it something else, usually like murals or street art, even if it's not very good. So it's that permission word. They have this like, um, I, I like to think of a set of values, like in your society, in your, in your community, what would, what would be your hierarchy of values? And the people that, that have this sort of obsession with permission only, and they don't really look at any of the other values, like culture, communication, civic pride, um, uh, being able to communicate in a public space, creativity, uh, mental health there's all these other values we should be looking at rather than just like do you have permission because there's so many areas of like don't look very nice they're like uncared for poorly maintained fences in public spaces and you can't get permission to paint it and if you did you'd be arrested and it's like hey i'm actually making this place like look way nicer why do you have a problem with this because you don't have permission mm. so what you're describing is what you're that was kind of pushback you're getting at the at the very start when yeah. you're trying to get your, your work out there yeah still do still do you still yeah but um i guess i'm just i even even when even when i came back to new zealand i will still get some yeses but just not as much i would have expected and it's still kind of like that i i don't get as much work as i would like to which it's a bit shit for your ego i guess but i'm a, i i can i can live with it it's you know, I'm I'm very lucky compared to other people. I know I know guys who would love to get the amount of walls that I get. So I just I just got to think of it that way. Like I'm pretty blessed, really. I I do get a fair amount of work. I'm able to actually get by. Like I'm I'm not rich or anything, but I you know I'm able to continue being a living artist who produces work and can and can keep doing that. Hmm. I was going to say, like, this artwork came in my head, and it's on K Road, and it's in the corner. There's a car park in the corner of K Road and Ponsonby Road, oh, just opposite the mobile. Yeah, yeah, I know the one, yeah. And there's a big wall, a brick wall, facing the car park. It's like the Polynesian Panthers or something right now, I think. What is it? No, because it changes every yeah, so often. it changes. Only yeah. reason why I say because I work around there, so I think every few months it changes, eh? 
in the, yeah. it's more interesting in artwork. That's the, is that you? That's not my spot. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've got some other stuff up the road from there and mm. um, in like a vintage clothing store. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you're saying how you, you, you have walls that you can paint on, given permission by the council? It sounds like, is it just a, just a sector in the council that agree with street art and they understand that it can bring culture to the city? Is it just a group of, a small group of people in the council that you've connected with? I'm just trying to understand how you, you, you broke through, bro- so broke got, through those barriers. I've got big walls that I've made friends with big landowners who own like heaps of property and they give me quite a lot of walls. So that's one source of walls is getting them off the private landowners. Private, yeah. But then council... I've got, I've got to understand how the permission process works, like how to actually um, this process called landowner approval. So, you find a wall. Landowner approval covers um, Auckland Council walls. So this is parks, basically parks. So think of a park. You walk into a park, and there's like a toilet block, or a little wall that people can practice squash on or something some like some wall inside the park and then you have to apply for landowner approval and you have to pay $580 and then that's your landowner approval application and then that goes before the local board and the local board has to approve your design and then you get permission and then now you got to find funding and then you can go and paint the wall Oh. <laughs> so it's like pretty yeah if you don't already have someone who's pretty keen to throw some thousands of dollars at you it's probably not going to get off the ground mm. and then um yeah there's different process for like at and water care and stuff like that so that's like um the average person outside wants to get them wants to paint something all but with you working for the council they just do it for free do they oh no i have to i have to go through that process oh really yeah I, I haven't done many jobs with the council. Oh, Not okay. many. Yeah. A few, but yeah. more than like probably like five, four. And, four. The, and the council won't fund you if you went through that process. Or is this all on you? Um, so different parts of the council, there's like, so you've got, you've got the, the council's a massive animal, right? It's like this huge organization. They've got different parts of the council. So they've got like, um, They've got like this beautification team. They've got the arts team. They've got different like parks department. And some of them have budget for different stuff. So I would get, I got, I got like $2,000 for one spot. And then another one, they, they've got like contractors who do jobs for council who also have big budgets and you can, you can go and work for them. Like if you approach the dump, like this is a council the council owns the dump, but they have their own budget, so they can pay you to do a mural there. Or if you want to talk to the library, they're so different different places. They're part of the council, but whereas if you go to the if you go and ask about a park wall, you everyone's in the same like. There's no funding there. You've got to you've got to figure out how am I get the funding for this, mm-hmm. which is why that that sort of working that sort of space is way harder, and that's where I'd like to see them sort of loosen things up and redu- first just reduce that reduce that fee that's like 580 bucks who can afford that like that's like most of the budget for a small mural that's like there's your whole that's your whole money like all the paint everything the labor i could do a whole mural for 580 bucks 
and then they want to ask me for that. And that's not even a guarantee that they're going to say yes. They might say no. And oh, right, because it's like you're applying. Yeah, yeah. You're I've, for, yeah, I've applied and they've said no. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, why? How is this going to work? I can't do this. Like, I'm like $580. You mentioned before that it's hard in Auckland than the rest of New Zealand. The rest of New Zealand have the same sort of process. Obviously not, but the the fee. And is it, is it, is it easier to get wars done like in... In Wellington, say Hamilton. Oh, so let's talk about actually. But I mean, I'm not. I don't live in those cities, so mm. I'm not the expert. But I live in Auckland, and we've got four million dollars per year being spent on people driving around in vans, eradicating everything. Like you do a you do a tag, it's gone. You do a, a nicer piece of graffiti, like a multicolor piece, gone. You do a, a picture of people, like a, a mural, like a piece of artwork, gone. You do a kid's play path, like a game on the street for kids to play, gone. Like everything. That's Auckland. Whereas you go to Christchurch, that's clearly not going on there. I don't I haven't I haven't done enough research to really understand what the rules are down there, but it's clearly not the same. Like you go down there and you see stuff staying up, that's good. And it's like they, they don't have the same rules, clearly. And Wellington and Whangarei and and then you go to like other cities around like Australia and stuff. It's like, nah, this this is different. There's something different here. Four million dollars is a lot of money. A lot of taxpayers' money, you know. A lot of um ratepayers' money <laughs> going in going in just to take some tags off. And it's interesting that what you're doing would probably neglect some of the LA. Like if there's more murals out there. I think that's what you you talked about in the in the news article I read. You know, if there's more of you guys out there painting murals, painting painting walls all over the city. There'll be less tagging around, or less op- less opportunity for the money spent on taking tags tags away. Well, every let's say you've got a person who would be out illegally tagging. Mm. If you can provide somewhere where that person can legally go and paint, they only have twenty four hours in a day. If they're painting there legally, they're not out tagging. Like it's, mm. I just think it's as simple as that, really. Yeah. And then, on top of that, if there's more beautiful artwork out there, um, more people are going to want more beautiful artwork, and this is going to have a carry-on effect, and the industry will thrive. More street artists will be employed. More people will want this done, and people's attitudes towards public art and public spaces will soften. And we will have a more beautiful city. We will get more, like, when you drive down any main road in Auckland, just think about, like, how many murals do you see? How many big fences, like, people's full fence painted with artwork? How often do you actually see that? It's almost zero. Like, almost zero. Which is really strange. Like, you go to Australia and try and, you count, you'll see them everywhere. Like, every major city in Australia, the suburbs have artwork on people's front fences it's not it's not super common but it's way more common than here it's, it's quite yeah I, I think that was the thing that really shocked me when i came back to auckland was like where is the art like there's there's just this sort of this feels like sort of sad to me like, yeah yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> sort of like so so you mentioned before you lived in australia um you were doing street art there yeah obviously and yeah so how good was that like how how much freedom did you have over there when when you when you think back about your your Melbourne days, your Australia days, and the work you did over there, like was there com- there was must have been competition, like a lot of yeah, there was competition. But I was I was like I was traveling around the country, getting getting paid to climb up on top of buildings and paint people's 
paint people's second story of their buildings and and inside office blocks and i did one for google and um different like furniture companies and bars and restaurants and and just private individuals houses and just everything you can think of kindergarten dementia ward like all of it and then i've come back here and it's and it's, yeah it is a it's, it's just, yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit different and it's I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's completely terrible in Auckland. Like you you still can make it work, but we we have some we have some improvements to be made. Yeah, definitely. There's some there's some work to be done. I was thinking, you know, when I walk around town, you know what I see? Cycle lanes. <laughs> a whole bunch of cycle lanes. That's some paint on the ground. So that's what I see. <laughs> some street art. Yeah. <laughs> nah, man. Because yeah, because it's funny that when you when you just mentioned you have to climb up top to to paint like i'm thinking like because taggers isn't isn't like the thing for them to try to tag on the most hardest place to tag like you know we you know when i drive on the motorway and i see some tagging on the on the fucking um street signs any of the big signs on the motorway above i'm like how the hell did they get up there like isn't that the point for taggers to like try to get to the most hardest place to get to like he must have been dangling. <laughs> Someone must have been. Must have two people going up there. Someone probably holding his feet. Up yeah, top, yeah, yeah. And he's probably doing his tag. It's like <laughs> if the if the removal if the removal was zero, like let's say they got rid of nothing. Yeah. You wouldn't really bother climbing up that high. You just do it at ground level because we'll stay up the same amount of time, right? It's like let's say the oh, average right. tag stayed up for like six months. Right. You do a tag, stays up for six months. Why would you climb up somewhere dangerous to do that tag? Like you just do it on ground level. Everyone see it anyway. So but it's more them trying to leave it there as long as they can. Oh yeah, these guys right are then the hardest place. Putting their lives at risk, <clears throat> doing the most dangerous things, doing it in a really hard to reach location with it costs more for it to be removed by the by the council because they're trying to get it to stay up because right. it's like a protest. It's like stop destroying my art. Stop. Right destroying our culture let us exist that's kind of what they're saying they're saying no 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 we you will not delete us no we will find some way to exist we will use the most toxic pigment that eats through your paint like there's you can get paints that they paint over the top of it and you come back an hour later and it's popped back on top <laughs> it's like come back through like you mix brake fluid with your ink yeah. and it'll float back through the paint oh, wow. so there's like all these different strategies mm. I used to carry around a sports bag with the bottom of it cut out and I'd have like a glue bottle full of paint and I'd paint on the ground carrying around my sports bag in town. <laughs> or like um, you get a fire extinguisher yeah. and you you tip out all the water and then you refill it with paint and a bit of water and then you repressurize it and it's like a bazooka of paint. And you, you see this on the side of the motorway around Auckland sometimes, like people using these. It's very, very cool to shoot one of these off, man. So, I've, I've yet to seen someone on the motorway doing some spray paint. Like, I always wanted to to catch someone doing it, you know, because it's like, I'm like, what, buddy, how did they get way up there? But uh, no, nah, that, that's a good point you made because I didn't think of that. And when Heather asked you about it, you didn't even tell her this, what you're saying now. So. Yeah, I didn't think of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought that too. I thought, doesn't they? Yeah. But no, nah, that's that, that's good you clear that up because I never thought of that. That's a good point. Another surprising thing that most people wouldn't wouldn't think is that um, when you see when you see tags done, like if 
if you if you saw a lot of these taggers like their best artwork you'd be your mind would be blown it's not like these guys are talentless fucks they're 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 really creative and they can make beautiful artwork so that's that's what i think a lot of people don't get is that when you see a tag on the side of the road you're seeing five seconds of effort you're not seeing 10 hours like if you gave that same person 10 hours most people would probably be cool with that artwork staying even if they even if it was their building but Hmm. they don't get to see the 10 hour work they get to see the five minute and then that gets painted over again and we're back to square one it's like every it's like a reset it's like no one gets to no one gets to evolve to the next step because it's all just getting reset every single day yeah like groundhog day (laughs) that's that's what graffiti groundhog day that's what auckland's in right now it's like real fucked up (laughs) for four million dollars worth of graffiti groundhog day yeah but in australia how do they do it do you know how they do it in in you were in in melbourne most of the time in brisbane yeah you get a if you don't if you don't clean the graffiti off your fence they 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 send the person to clean it and then they send you a fine <laughs> like you have to pay for it whereas in auckland you can just call them like if you if your front fence got tagged right now in a residential or a small business you can call up the council and they'll send out the crew to come paint it for free like oh. sorted you don't have to do anything whereas in other major cities around the world this isn't the case like australia you have to pay it you have to pay the fee in brisbane cb like in the sit in the inner city you had you had to pay it mm. and then i'm not sure what it was like outside the major city outside the inner city but what that what that did was it created an incentive for if your building is repeatedly getting tagged it creates an incentive for you to come up with some creative way to stop the tagging happening i.e getting street artists to do a mural is that what the councils offer oh no the the businesses would be like you've the business now has an incentive to like reach out to artists and engage with them and now you've got art on the wall and then because you've got art on that wall now the business across the road sees that and goes i want that so then they get it and then next thing you know you've got like every second business in the community has street art on their walls and you've got like a thriving art scene and it's good for commerce it's good for tourism people are taking instagram photos outside your business because you've got beautiful art there people are hashtagging auckland hashtag like they're hashtagging the suburb hashtag ponsonby like in front of the photo and then you've got like people slowing down to look at the art so they're like looking at the art and then they're noticing the coffee and they're like oh I'll get a coffee and they sit there and they look at the art and like, oh this place is so nice so it's like it all has this on flow of creating more culture it's unique local culture too so you're supporting local artists not just like netflix or what you know like not just international stuff it's like really local because you get the the local artists being able to do stuff so it's i just think i just think it's really short-sighted not to not to calculate all that in when they make the decision to go out and remove everything mm. yeah it's a good way to yeah like you said it's a good way especially for tourists and that and for people to to look at something you know like christchurch after the earthquake happened you lost like all these buildings in the cbd like they were leveled right they had to like bulldoze them because they were structurally unsafe so they knocked that building down and then you've got like a big hole in between like four buildings 
you've got this big hole where a building used to be and you've got the sides of those buildings and it's just these ugly raw concrete side of a building so then street artists and graffiti artists came in and started filling all those holes and Christchurch didn't remove it they left it and it like it brought the city back to life was that a, a, a campaign for the Christchurch council to do that like have that happen I know that they did engage with artists but they also like they didn't just aggressively remove everything that right. was it that was a big part of it was the fact that they'd left it they left they left stuff up yeah it's that kind of thinking that we need eh, the Auckland needs it sounds like you know it's like a, I've, I I can call it um looking a gift horse gift horse in the mouth yeah yeah like if someone's giving you something for free and then they're like, oh, I don't really like it. It's not good enough. It's like, but you didn't pay shit for it. It just showed up on your wall. How about being a little bit more grateful? Like for all you know, that could be the next like billion dollar artist. But he's just started. Like that guy might, that, that painting on your building in a hundred years might be priceless artifact and you're just going to destroy it. Like it's crazy. Like that's that's how I think about it. Like they're they're literally destroying culture in the nursery. Like this is the beginning of an emergent culture that in hundreds and hundreds of years from now they'll look back and go, Why did we do that? That was so whack. Like we just we just destroyed it all. Like imagine imagine the moldy culture when it was first being created. Like this first people carving like a like a koru shape. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, the first one. And then the dude, the village elder comes out and just goes, oh, f- oh chuck it in the fire. Mm-hmm. That's. And it's gone forever. Yeah. It's gone forever. And well, no the opportunity's one... gone. Yeah. yeah. It's like just sort of real short-sighted. Like, mm. oh, but you're reducing property value of my pa. You, you, your tagging is destroying the property value of our neighborhood. And it's like, oh, but mm. maybe your real estate agent's a liar. <laughs> maybe maybe that maybe maybe that's true <laughs> i don't know i think when um when it yeah when a when a real when a when a real estate agent tells you that your property value has gone down because your fence has been tagged the criminal's the property the criminal is the real estate agent not the tagger All right because your property didn't lose any <clears throat> value hmm. i mean cleaners will tell you aggressive cleaning is bad for things you don't want to clean things too much and if you paint things, you protect them, and they they last longer. So by by a by a tagger painting your fence, maybe he's increasing your property value. Maybe he's like actually protecting your fence and making it not rot as fast. If you <laughs> thought of it that way, maybe yeah. it wouldn't. Be, like you know, I just think there needs to be a little bit more. Like, yeah. not just we're on the bottom rung of the ladder with this thing, and it's like people need to just think a bit more. Like. Maybe I should be thinking about why is that person tagging on my fence rather than what he's done. Think like that's someone's son, that's someone's brother, that's someone's sister. Mm. Why are they tagging on my fence? Maybe they're having a hard day. Maybe, you know, like if they had a bit more human approach, I don't think they'd be so like... There was there was this guy, Cameron Pehima, and he got stabbed, like killed for, um, for going out tagging on it. It's like 15 years old. Rest in peace. So, like, I just don't want to see that sort of shit happening. I don't want to see one of these guys that's out painting these motorway um, overpasses mm. fall to his death or something like that. I just, that's the sort of thing that I just really freaks me out. Mm. 
I think it's like you know, hearing what your story, hearing what you're saying is like it's the culture, and you can't stop the culture. You know, and no matter how much they try with with their ideas, like like you 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 said it perfectly. It's a tag on the fence. It's it's automatically negative. Well, you just turn that into a positive. Yeah. And no no one ever sees that. No, no. <laughs> no one will understand unless they understand the culture. So do you think the thing is to educate the culture to the council to the people? Or to, because you know how I said the examples around the world, like maybe they, they just don't know. Like you know when you talked about people coming to a place because of the artwork, you know, yeah, people converge to see the artwork, right? Mm. Builds uh, a community. It builds a community. Exactly. I remember I was watching the show on Netflix. It was about something places around the world. I think it's in I think it's in Portland, in Portland in the states. But there's like a wall where people put their they chewing gum, stick their chewing gum, and it's just people stick their chewing gum on this wall for for the past ten years, and it's just left there. Yeah, you just come. It's a thing to do. Tourists, if you have a gum, you stick it on the wall. And, and there's that bridge in France where it's like lovers will put a um the locker padlock onto mm. the bridge, mm. and now the bridge is like covered in padlocks. There's like yeah, yeah, see that kind of thing. But is that vandalism? I don't think so. Well, I think Auckland Council would say that's vandalism, and they'd cut off every single padlock. Yeah, I mean, te- technically, that would they call it illegal dumping or something like you know? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, <clears throat> but it's that kind of thing. Like, we're not op- too open minded. They're not open minded to see, you know, what the opportunities that it can bring. You know, they're still they're just old people, I reckon. Just old people that just too old school. Yeah, maybe. But the four million dollars spent on. On cleaning up the tax, that's that is that is bad, man. That is sad because that is a lot of money. We can go into other things, and if 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 what you're saying, I believe what you're saying. If you create a culture, a mural, or you know, street art culture, you know, how much of that money will be cut in half, or you know, it won't be four million dollars if there was a street art culture around around the city, even. And and if if the council did give a place for the taggers to go tag, you know, even if it was still four million, my my guarantee is that you'd have a more beautiful city if they just made it that there was places for people to paint legally. And this is just a sort of like I'm just I'm just sneaky about this, but I also know that if they provided places for people to paint, eventually Aucklanders wouldn't want that four million dollars being spent anymore. They'd be like, we like this stuff. Like mm. if you provided, let's say you provided one big wall, like I'm talking like 50 to 100 meters long in every, like, let's say 50 of them or 100 of them around Auckland. Within within a few years, those walls would be covered in the most beautiful artwork and everyone would be like, why are you, why are you spending $4 million on destroying these guys' artwork anymore? Like what's what's that? Like, is that happening right now? Like with the murals you've done, and other people have done, like the example I put on that car park on Carrow. Yeah. Like that will never be. There will always be painting there, right? As long as there's no so. building. Yeah. They yeah. don't build a building. Eventually, there'll does. probably be a building there. Yeah. But see, I look at that wall, and it changes the artwork every so often. Yeah. And it's it's good. It's nice. It's nice. That's to a s- private landowner. Yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I'd I'd say. You know, if you have a park and you have private landowners 
surrounding the park and they have big walls facing the park. Yeah. Did the council get angry at that kind of thing? Do you have to apply for resource consent or something? So like I that? called the council and I said, "Hey, I've found I've lo- I've I've located this alleyway and I've spoken to the landowners." Well, actually first, I said, "Hey, I've located this alleyway. I'd like to get permission to paint the fences on either side of the alleyway." So I called the council, asked them, and they said um, that they're not really sure. And then I was like, okay, well, can you figure that out? Yes or no? We tried to figure it out. took like months. Mm. And then eventually I got sick of it and I was like, look, just give me the straight answer. Do I, like, can you grant me permission or not? And they said, oh, we, we can't, like, give you permission. You have to ask the homeowners. So I went and asked the homeowners and then um, so I got signed permission from these homeowners to paint their fence on the outside facing the alleyway and then I spent like 40 hours painting it and then I came back the next week. It's all gone. Really? And I got a video of this dude like talking to the removalists saying like, why are you painting over it? And they're like, because it's done illegally. We got a complaint from a concerned member of the public. So they just Buffett. So they got the wires crossed. The communication lines are crossed somewhere. Like you tell these guys and they give permission, but then when the complaint goes in for another department, they send the guys to paint over it kind of yeah. thing. So they first they told first the council told me like this is just people at council, right? Um they told me that it was you have to ask permission from the homeowner. Then it changed to nah nah, you've got to get landowner approval from the council itself. And then this year they changed the rule again to now it's now you need both you need permission from the landowner the homeowner and the council so you got to pay 580 you got to go through the local board process you got to submit your design and you've got to get permission from the homeowner so it's homeowner so it's like just if i wanted to put an advertisement up on their fence selling like water blasting services i wouldn't have to ask anyone mm. But if I want to paint art on the fence, I have to go through this whole, if I wanted to just paint the fence the same color it is currently, but make it look nicer, like go from ugly, messy brown with patchy or whatever. It's bright yellow. And just, or even just brown again. But if you maybe change the color, I think you wouldn't have to ask for anything. You just paint the fence. Whereas they're trying to, I don't even know if they're right though. Like that's the, the only way to really challenge this would be to paint a big beautiful mural on someone's fence with permission then get someone else to call up and complain and see what happens like get it removed and then take them to like civil court as a so it's just it's a mess that that's the way that you'd have to find out because you you can't get a real solid answer out of them well seems to me this whole street art thing is new to them and they haven't figured it out they haven't got anything written down in their books about how the what the process is yeah. of street art and they're just they're just you know taking a page off another process and adding yours ones your one in but it doesn't even they do have a graffiti removal policy mm. and then they've got um yeah but only for people that don't get approval but you got yours did get approved yeah so, but then you've got like um so they're liable you're liable to sue them right then it falls into property law so now you've got to f- define like whose is the fence but you got the permission from the owners. Yeah, but there's boundary laws. So there's this weird law about what? how boundaries work. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a boundary fence between you and your neighbor, mm. 
and you own one side and they own the other, it's not like that. It's like you both own the asset. So it's the so the council owns the other side. Well, I mean, so it's the alleyway side. If you if you and your neighbor have a fence between you, yeah, and you want to paint your side of your fence, you can with them. And they didn't like what you painted on it, and they climbed over the fence and painted like it's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's like really like is this is this how yeah. we're going to treat people? Like is it's almost like the line is uh, drawing. I think the line should be <laughs> why do you care and fuck off. Like just just leave it there. It's just it's too, it's just too much controlling, man. That's the thing. It's all mm. just too controlling. It's like yeah, you need someone in the council with a vision for this i think so you, you need so. you need to work yeah. for the council and yeah. change everything <laughs> i think i think i need to go and get myself elected that was that was the other that was the other angle like maybe why not why not you believe in something you're passionate in something so much you know it's not like you hate the city you love the city that's why you want to make do. it better i do i really do and that's like me man because i love the city too but there's there's things that just i get pissed off at. like <laughs> like you know i read the paper like in, in the news a few weeks ago we were down. New Zealand was down, like, in the worst, worst places to come visit. Yeah, you know, and I believe that. I'm not. I'm not surprised. I believe that yeah. because, man, there's nothing open late. You can't go. There's entertainment's like nothing. There's no entertainment out west. We can't. You can't do anything out west. Can't paint a wall. You can't. Pay, <laughs> yeah, you can't paint a wall. But for me, it's entertainment, and there's nothing. There's actually a few spots to go painting out west, which is kind of cool. Oh yeah, yeah. There's Corbin Art Estate. Oh and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Avondale Art Park. So we're kind of lucky out here. We got we got two spots. Whereas mm. go to North Shore, there's like nowhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's the what? So what's it like Alan uh, Alan Corbin's Art uh, Estate? Art Estate is that just just canvases? You you go in? Yeah, so like full legal walls. You can just go and paint there whenever you want. Anyone can go. So it's oh, wow. just open to the public. And whose um idea is that? Who's who's sort of um, baby is that project is that to let that happen so it's one of the one of the oldest like established graph crews in new zealand and they partnered with um corbin art estate a while ago and set that up it was like tmd yeah so how much recognition could they get for the rest of the for the rest of the city i'm not sure i've, I've spoken to the i've spoken to these guys about it. i've spoken to many other street artists in Auckland about this issue that's another that's another sort of area where it's interesting to talk about like yeah. you talk to other street artists about this issue and you know not all of them agree a lot of them won't even talk about it but the ones that do agree you know they don't want to like how do I explain it so let's say let's say you want to paint a wall right and you want to be or not just a wall you want to be like a street artist you want to be able to paint art all the time who is your clients like who who is providing the money for this like business associations is one big piece of the puzzle do you know what a business association is is it like a conglomerate of different businesses that just help each other out yeah Yeah. but it's run by someone there's like a there's a business association manager so you've got to you've got to get in that person's good graces, and then or just filter down to the rest of them. They will sort of go out and do the legwork for you. They'll find you the wall, or if you've found the wall, they'll they'll coordinate with the landowner. They'll sort out funding, and then they'll be your patron 
and pay you to create a piece of artwork in that community. Right. So they just do all the admin. Yeah. And you just turn up and paint. And then like other artists get work through council and through iwi and when when a new development's going on like Auckland Transport's doing something or there's this um city rail link project they they're using street artists to paint the hoardings and mm. stuff so so again all these different organizations and associations they must have someone the the middleman is the guy with the vision that yeah. that likes what you guys do knows what you guys offer yeah and knows the power of what it brings yeah so there's like little pockets of where it's going mm. but it's always on like the it's always on like the, the edge it's like the the toilet block sort of you know it's like, oh, the, yeah. like the you know like when when do we get the whole building man come on like, like no one sees it <laughs> sort of thing give us the underpass give us the whole bridge like i'm trying to get um i'm trying to get the pillars of the hub bridge on the north shore side done with murals of significant new zealanders i want to do like heaps of them that's the concrete yeah the um, big concrete pillars at the bro they're so the ugly man you go to you go to like um sulfur beach north shore side it's like a dump dude it's so it's it's like the, this is the best view in the country like if you can see the magnificent city of sales you can see the harbor bridge sky tower all the all the like the harbor and this should be like a tourist attraction but instead it looks like a tip man it's like it's just poorly maintained so i'm like if we if we made those pillars of that harbor bridge into the biggest outdoor art gallery in the country this would be a huge draw card it would it would improve the the look of the site and nzta is like stonewalling me doesn't want to hear it doesn't want to talk refuses to engage just bad faith they're just shutting it down before it's even but they won't even let the conversation happen that's my problem it's like half the time when you contact these organizations they they won't even have the conversation they just try and shut you down like straight away and then you have to like well you don't have to but then i lodge formal complaints against these individual staff members and i just go to go like go to war with them yeah which is shit i don't want to i don't i don't want to have to be that person but i feel like it's the only way forward is they have to get complaints lodged against them until they comply yeah it's not their bridge like you just work there bro you just work there like provide a way for us to engage at least a way for us to engage Mm. to have a legal conversation about the idea and then we can move forward from there but to just try and shut it down like every time it's like come on like i think it's because they've got like all these different proposals on the the bike lane going across the bridge yeah. <laughs> lately and the and see the latest one the there's a gondola they've got the gondola plan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i you just know, i think they should be trying to figure out how to make it so people don't have to commute so much mm. like or at least enjoy your commute if you're stuck in traffic that much at least you want to see something cool artwork on the side you know yeah you don't want to crash but you know you have something in your periphery you're driving maybe i mean there didn't even used to be a harbour bridge right people used to just live on the north shore and that's where they hung out and then there was people over in town and they they stayed over there there was a ferry and there wasn't all this commuting so you know coming back to the whole business association thing with street artists how they're trying to engage with them what was the thing there with them okay so you've got you've got a person you've got another you've got other street artists right and they're they've got their patrons and they're these are the people that pay them now would 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 that street artist then 
want to do what I'm doing and complain about the patron and complain about the council and and make this big like hoo-ha about it no because that's not gonna that's not gonna get them any more money they're gonna they're gonna sort of um bite the hand that feeds them so i can understand why so many other street artists don't really speak up about this issue but i just felt like hey i'd rather even if this means that i even if this really badly affects my own financial position and my ability to generate income as an artist i don't give a fuck because i think it's the right thing to do to um speak truth to power and tell them that there is actually an issue here rather than just toe the line and be like oh, i'll take i'll take a little bit of money here and there and not say anything about it so even though even though i say all this stuff man half the people i'm complaining about they this is my clients like i'm i'm getting paid to produce artwork for these council like um organs that i don't like or i don't it's not that i don't like them i don't like what they're doing hmm. I, I, I love that i love that i, I appreciate that and i, I respect that because you you won't be a sellout <laughs> you won't be a sellout you yeah know? maybe 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 i'll still sell out <laughs> i mean you're right people do bite people don't want to bite the hand that feeds them but you know when, if you believe something so much and you know you're getting screwed or you know it's not right you know you got to speak up you know yeah and, and it, it takes a lot of courage to do that i don't want the other artists to i don't like all the artists that are getting paid and that are getting heaps of money and that are getting all the work and stuff, they're fine. They're fine. I care more about the, the next generation and the other artists who aren't able to actually be that lucky and get those opportunities. I care about them. And it's like, there should be more opportunities for more people. There isn't enough. Like the people, the street artists in Auckland that are getting the work, it's like a very small clique of people, man. And it's always the same guys getting the, it's always the same people getting the work again. Which, which that to me is like, there's something wrong here. It shouldn't be like, I know the person that works at Auckland Transport, so I get all the work. Right. That doesn't feel right to me. It should be like, everyone should have a shot, everyone should get a chance. There should be more opportunities for everyone. It should be about the art, right? Like every artist is different. So you yeah. want to have different flavors exactly. of art around. Oh man, if you want to be a successful artist in Auckland, like a successful street artist, you better get bloody good at painting birds because that's where all the money goes. They want birds. Yep. I've seen a lot of birds on your on your Instagram. Yep. That's where the con you you get a conservative person, some uh, you know, I'm not being ageist, but they're old, almost all of them. They're older and Oh, they're old. They're fucking what old. idea do they come up with for a mural? You go into a local board and say, "Hey, what do you guys want for a mural?" and then you do it by consensus, so you do a vote. You put forward three ideas. You say, "I want to do a mural about um New Zealand becoming a space searing, a space-faring nation, like our new rocket lab, cool rocket being launched from the Mahia Peninsula. And then you say, oh, what's the other idea? Nature mural with birds, kiwi. Man, the nature mural will, will get all the votes because it's just safe and easy and they can be like, it mirrors the natural environment that we're trying to, like, that's not art though. That's just, um, Art should not be a mirror. Art should be inspiring. Art should be saying something about your community your your people like it should it should be challenging you as well is that what you get when you get those council contracts you get the they birds. don't want conservative they don't want um they want the, they want the birds they want controversial the <laughs> not allowed to be they say can't be controversial can't be political basically saying can't be important 
it's just got to be decorations. Yeah. I, I guess that yeah, that's what they're scared about. They're scared about being political and all that. Well, because um, then you yeah. start saying like "fuck the oil companies" and all this sort of, you know, then they're then they're like, ooh, 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 like can't say that. Well, I remember back in the days they had the whole when we were anti the Americans bringing us the the nuclear stuff. In um, Devonport, there's one of the oldest pieces of street art in Auckland, mm-hmm. and it's a like anti nukes. Yeah, anti nukes. Yeah, it's so cool, man, that it's still there. I can't believe it hasn't I mean, been painted over. That must be the last time we were allowed to join anything political in back then in the 80s when it was david longy was uh our prime minister and i remember that it was a whole thing about say no to nukes yeah and there's that still yeah. that big those big murals of um say no to nukes across the road from the mural yeah. you're talking about it yeah see and that's been and like you said that's been there for that all that time yeah you know and they actually got a new generation of artists to come and do a second round so there's there's actually two sets of paintings there right on that corner yeah yeah so that's the things kind of things you're talking about like that, that no nukes mural being there for so long. That's what you're talking about. Having some of the artwork, street art, last that long. Have, have, Absolutely. Because, it, because it's yeah. a big message. It was a big message at the time. You know, we were, it was it's political, but all the Kiwis were, were, were all down for it. So when that mural came up, I don't know what it was like because I was, I was a little kid. But people, yeah, were like, <laughs> people were like going, yeah, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a political thing. But these days, you wouldn't get caught doing anything political now. Um, I did one for Ihu Matau. Oh, man, that was... I think I saw a little thing on your Instagram about it's that. It's still there, man. It's still yeah. across the road, yeah. The cops were there watching me paint it, and they didn't know that I didn't have permission. <laughs> oh, really? That was like, that's yeah. like the only thing I've painted illegally in so long. Eh? That was like, I, I really felt quite passionate about that one. I was like, yeah. fuck, man. And give, it's still there? Give them the farm back, just give it back like how hard is this like come on mm. <laughs> let's that, do the right thing because that shit's still going on they haven't resolved it yet they? I, don't I think, think it's i think it's resolved yeah. have they yeah, so yeah, yeah. so what happened they got it back it's, oh okay yeah it's like back back with the iwi and then yeah you know, oh that's good the kids are playing on the hill and like, yeah. doesn't have a big land development there big housing development because the thing with um the media rate like when the story hits when the story is big they'll they're onto it but then they leave yeah but then the story is still going. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, you don't get the you like search for it and you're like, where's the update? Yeah, yeah, what's <laughs> happening? But the now they've moved on to the next story. See, because yeah. they don't care, they want the story. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, man, like you know, I saw on your Instagram you've got this thing with uh, a blue cone. Oh, that. <laughs> is that one of the birds or just one of yours? Um, is that one of your things? So my bro, um, my bro Gary Salipa, he's a um, he's a street artist, and he does um, he does this festival out in GI. It's called uh, the Bradley Lane Project, and they do like um, every year, invites five artists to Glenanus, and they have a festival where um, the artists paint murals on the buildings in the town center. And over the years, I think there's like 47 murals there or something, something like that. Yeah. And um, he invited me to come there. I met him at an op shop and um, we were like, we were trying to buy the art books. And I and <laughs> he'd already cleaned out the shop over the years, I think. <laughs> there, was, there wasn't much left. Yeah, it's all in the studio, all the art books. So um, he he invited me to be one of the artists for the for the Bradley Lane Project. 
So I was like, my one of my one of my like, I think all artists should have. Um, you shouldn't just be an artist. There's got to be some like subject matter. Like, what are you actually passionate about? And my my thing that I realized that I was really passionate about outside of street art was um, like space exploration and um, humans becoming a multi-planet species. That's like my, like I think if I could, if I could, if I could contribute towards something in the real, real long term, like leave a legacy, that would be my like thing that I'd want to um, add towards. So I was like, how do I paint that? So I was like, I'm going to do an op shop on Mars. Because so it was like merging these two things. So yeah. I met him at the op shop and I was like, I'll do an op shop on Mars. So um, I was like painting this op shop on Mars. And then um, he he cones off the wall. Like he puts all these road cones around the wall when you're painting. So that the people can't come up and like nick your paint or like... Um, get too close just keeps it a bit safer like just feels more like orderly with the barrier and then you're on one side and they're over there and you can like you know they feel a bit more respect they can't just get up in your space um so anyway i was like i had this orange background on the wall because it was mars and you couldn't see the road cone and i was like oh right you're not going to be able to see road cones on mars so i was like I painted one of the road cones blue, yeah. and that was that was when I invented the um, the Mars road cone. So it's like a um, when they're building the cities on Mars, like they're first building the colonies and stuff. Well, they're gonna need them for the whole the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, you can't see a you can't see a orange road cone on a red planet, so you're gonna need some blue road cones. <laughs> and then um, I took it a step further, and I was like okay how do i make this even better so i was like it's it's called um mars obelisk and it's like a um it's like a like a like a sculpture like it's going to evolve it's going to evolve over time from being just the um just the martian road cone yeah into like being this sort of um like a like a full-on like sculptural like thing that they build in the middle of the um of the martian city as like a <laughs> memorial to the building of the city <laughs> and it'll be called the mars obelisk and i want to get this sent with the first colony that lands on mars to build that first city this is my like contribution to the mission so i'm hoping i can somehow figure out like through the mars society or something like hey like you got to send this mars obelisk yeah with the colonists <laughs> like this is the this is the um this is the flagpole like, yeah. this is how you this is how you say this is the this is the middle of the city there is people that what 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 you call them the people that do this the mars the mars society yeah is it there's such thing oh this is a real society yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. i can imagine it's founded by a guy called um robert zubrin so he's like um founder of the mars society and he designed this um is he in america yeah yeah they so they first they had the um they the first Mars mission design they had was they're like we'll build this massive ship in space and it'll have all this food and fuel and everything to go all the way to Mars and then land on the surface of Mars and then you'll have all the fuel that you need to like then lift off again from Mars 
and then fly back to Earth. And it's huge. It's like a, a stupid, like fucking insane. And then he came up with this new mission architecture of let's go light. Let's go like the same way that the that settlers go or like like travelers go where you live off the land so let's go to mars with a really light ship and you land and when you land your tanks are now empty and then you have to like filter some martian atmosphere and the water on mars and make your rocket fuel there to refuel your rocket to come back to fly back yeah so he he founded the mars society and that's like um that's like the the birth of like the people who want to like colonize mars mm. and then there's like all this other all this other cool shit that they talk about but um <laughs> it's funny because I, I was just talking about this in another podcast where we're talking about um when there's a supernova like humans have to get off this get, get off the solar system one day if we ever, if yeah. humans ever make it yeah the, i think it's a billion years they said till we get a supernova pretty far away isn't it yeah but i don't know if humans will even last that long but you know if we do we have, we have to find a way to get off the solar system but then i don't know if you read a lot of um because i read a lot of what's his name the black um astrophysicist what's his name neil degrasse tyson neil degrasse tyson lesson and he talks about how the next the next the next obstacle is when the next uh galaxy collides with our galaxy the andromeda galaxy yeah. will crash into it'll crash the into milky us. way yeah. yeah so what are we gonna do then if we ever make it that far so that was all interesting i think it's i think that's so far away that it's like really i don't know if it's a real concern for our generation i think the one for us is if we blow ourselves up with like a nuclear war mm. or um <clears throat> You know, COVID, that could have been we're pretty lucky that was a that was a weak that was a weak, pretty weak virus. Like if it had been the zombie strain or some like other real full on bad thing, that could have been us. Like that Yeah. So I think we're pretty fragile as a species. There's many ways that we can just die. Like if a rogue you know do you know what a rogue asteroid is? Yeah. So you've got the asteroids that are in orbit around our sun. Rogue one asteroids are ones coming in from deep space yeah. and we can't see them. And they could just it could just fly in and hit Earth and that'll be it. And that's why we need to be on another planet. Because then it's think of it of like a USB drive backup. It's like you want a copy of your hard drive somewhere else. So if your main computer gets trashed, you can just bring the hard drive back and plug it in and reinstall human civilization. So that would be what the Mars colony would be. It's like this backup of everything that's great about humans. Our yeah. technology, our culture, our, our people. Do you, do you ever watch um, Black Mirror? Black Mirror, yeah. Do you ever watch that? <laughs> I'm, that's I'm out of it. Basically every sci-fi show you can think of, I probably... I, I can see you're a sci-fi fan. <laughs> Are you a tricky? Um, or Star Wars are you tricky or Star Wars I think I used to like Star Wars more but now I like now I like Star Trek more yeah you know it's cool you're talking about um, leaving the planet what's that there's that program do you ever watch um, The Expanse yeah, oh yeah how there's human, humans it. on Earth humans on Asteroid Field humans on Mars is it yeah yeah I'm trying to find I'm trying to find that thing um, oh, 
I'll send it to you later though. It's it's like a um It's basically like that, but it's like oh, I can't find it. It's like a it's like it's like this dude. It's this dude who has like a blog. Yeah. And he records every single like website to do with anything to do with future technology that's to do with like getting us to Mars or getting us to another to another star or getting us like like all that yeah, it's yeah. like so crazy man you yeah. read through and it's like what what and then you go to the next website and it's like oh my gosh like you serious bit of a rabbit hole is it it's so cool though it's like yeah. just so intriguing to think that there's so many different people out there like that like putting all this money into figuring this stuff out mm. like yeah i wouldn't be surprised if if we have like the beginning of a of a Martian like city in the next ten years. It's because all it is is we nearly it's taking the it's putting plants on there, right? We just gotta put plants on there, they can soak up the CO two and exchange it to oxygen. Isn't that the deal with, with Mars? It's just CO two in the atmosphere. They wanna just plant a whole bunch of plants there. Yeah. It's it's a bit trickier than that. Because plants need CO two and 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 sunlight and water, right? Yeah. And that's all we do. We just we just build a garden over there and you'll probably need to start with some fungus yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some heat you need to heat it up a little bit first yeah so maybe you could maybe you could set up a big orbital array of mirrors in space that would um that would increase the magnitude of the sun so the sun coming towards it would go through this ring of mirrors and it would like double it would make the sun look bigger from mars right or or that trick of just blowing up a whole lot of nukes on the South Pole. Because mm. nukes aren't that bad on Mars. It's like, it's bad for us, but... Oh, really? Well, over there, it's like, you've got bigger problems. Oh, so right. it's like, it's <laughs> some radiation, not a, you know. Yeah. I don't know what the atmosphere is like. The It's like less than 1% of Earth's. So it's, it's almost nothing. But it's just enough that it's... That we can live there. Well, that you can use it. To, you can use it for... Um, you can use it for aero braking. What's that? Well, it's like drag. So you know when you you know a parachute. Yeah. Uses uses air to catch that your parachute right. catches the air and slows you down. Um, you can use that form of braking on Mars. Whereas on the Moon, there's no air, so a parachute doesn't work. Does nothing. Just yeah. just falls behind you. Just doesn't slow you down. Whereas you can use the air on Mars to f slow you down. You can generate a little bit of lift. So you can get some like aerodynamic forces working for you, and that way you don't need to use the whole. You don't need to just use fuel. You don't need to just use your engines to land, which means your your landing is a lot easier, right? But um, yeah, I don't think you don't need to terraform. You don't need to terraform Mars. You just need to. Is that what's called when you put plants there? When you make it like Earth, so terra right, right. Earth, yeah, terraforming, make it like Earth. Um, you just need to make it a little bit like you need to increase the atmosphere enough that you don't need to wear a pressure suit anymore. Right. Like a space suit holds your body together mm. so it doesn't like kill you. And if you if you get if you get enough atmosphere on Mars where you can just you can just wear a gas mask. That would increase the quality of life on Mars so much because you can just wear like normal clothes, just warm clothes. Like heaps of them, because it's like it'll be like Antarctica, right? You'll be like real cold, but 
just real cold clothes and a air mask. Okay, this is okay. I don't have to wear a spacesuit every day. That's like, that's what will make it real terrible to begin with. Is the just the whole like having a full on space suit every day? Is Mars outside us or inside us? Outside From the sun. Oh, okay. That's why it's, it'll be a bit more colder. It takes two years to orbit the sun, hmm. and Earth takes one year to orbit the sun. Right. And then the day is basically the same. So it's like it turns the same. Just almost the same yeah. it's like i think it's 10 minutes different or something it's like mm. so it's basically this it's it's quite similar like a, in lots of ways it's really similar but it's just got like same size isn't it same size uh, it's Earth? smaller right. so you've got more um you've got less gravity i saw they put a they put a camera on mars eh, recently and they in the other i think i saw they said that they can see remnants of a of a river yeah, yeah, yeah. On the ground. Oh, yeah, there definitely used to be water there. Yeah. It used to be water, yeah. And as as we know, on, from everything we know about Earth, they used to think that, that like, life was kind of, like, it would only be in certain places on Earth. But then they went all the way to the bottom of the deepest trench on Earth, like the Marinaris Trench or whatever, to these, like, lava vents where there's, like, toxic sulfur coming out of the thing. But if there's water there, there's life there. And then they go to, like, the most freezing Antarctic like place they dig around a bit find life there everywhere it's just life is everywhere on earth if there's water there's life so they're like okay there there's water on mars there must be life there well not must be but if you were going to find life somewhere in the solar system you're going to find it where there's water you're not going to you're probably not going to find it on the moon because it's too dry it's like there's a bit of water there but fuck all but mars it's like maybe Maybe you'll find, like, that's why it's so cool to go there because you can actually start, like, digging around and going, like, let's try and find traces of past life. Let's try and find, like, is is there life there now? Maybe it's hidden under the ground in some, like, underground lake or something. Like, there's, yeah. I got a real good perspective when I watched that um, documentary series on Netflix. I think it's called, um, is it called Solo or something? history of of the galaxy of you know and and there's it's billions of years from when earth um began to humans hey us humans yeah there's, there's it's a billion years between there and there so a lot of shit happened i think it's four four billion years yeah. is the age of the earth and then um from the time period when you could have had life happen like when the, when it wasn't a burning ball of lava when it sort of cooled down a bit and we started getting a bit of water, it was like 200 million years and then life appeared. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it was very, very early. It didn't take long. And then the atmosphere was even more we had now. I mean, the oxygen levels were high or like triple the amount of oxygen we got now. Allowed, uh, that's why they had big dinosaurs, big insects. Insects mm. were, ma- were massive, eh? Yeah. Back then because of the, well, the high oxygen. Wow, that was, that was buzzy, man. That was cool. It's funny because I watched because I'm I'm into science now, but I hated it when I was at high school. <laughs> Why'd you hate it? I thought it was like it was like boring. I didn't understand. I wanted to go outside and play play basketball. But now it's cool, man. I love I love yeah, science. Yeah, I thought it now. was I thought it was I liked it, but I didn't think other people liked it. I was thought it was like a bit of nerd subject. <laughs> but well, now it was like, a nerd subject. Yeah, now I don't care. Now I'm like, oh, I yeah, really yeah. Care. Now I love it. But uh, uh, no, it's it's. Oh, you know a lot about about Mars. I used to like love watching um Star Trek Voyager 
every day on Saturday, yeah. every Saturday it would be on the TV when mm. I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I stopped watching Star Trek when the movies finished. I, I never got into the TV series, the new ones, Voyager and all that stuff. I get into oh, the. Oh, you mean the the new one like Discovery? I saw that. I saw that was good, eh? I, I might watch it, eh? It's a bit painful. Is it? Yeah, the I think the um I think the the newer one is better. Strange New Worlds. Oh yeah, that's that's one I'm talking about. Yeah, that's Strange really New Worlds. Yeah, you know the nurse in that. Mm. I met her in Australia. She was like, oh, really? she was a street artist in in Brisbane. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I was so random. I was like watching and I was like, I'm sure I know that chick. And she's an actor. Yeah, now she's actress. an actor on stuff. Star Trek, Brave New World, oh, Strange New Worlds. Yeah. What if it was filmed in Australia? Um, I don't know. Don't think so. But they there's a lot of cross pollination between um was it like movie world studios and Gold Coast mm. and Hollywood. Like they come they come film shit there and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what science fiction movie I did like it was the one that's close to science. Was the, um Interstellar. Interstellar. Do you remember that one? It came out a couple of few years ago. Maybe five, six years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like time dilation stuff. Yeah, they're trying to find another planet to um inhabit there. Yeah. So they folded he, the. He time travels back to his daughter or something. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> That's right. It's an old movie, but it, it's it's based on actual science. Eh? What what they understand in theory, with the folding of the. Yeah, yeah. They fold. What what do they fold? Like space time. Yeah, they they fold space time so they can, mm. sort of. It's like. It's like light speed, eh? Like you know, in Star Wars when they go light speed and all yeah. that. <laughs> that was out of it. I was I was listening to I was listening to something and um the other day and I was like they started talking about um like worm oh what is it like wormholes that's it that's the fold thing wormhole but, but then they talked about something else like going to like other dimensions so it's not like in our own it's not like you're right, traveling right. within the universe it's like you're going to another dimension like a parallel universe that's fuzzy how because I, w- I watched how they explain it. What yeah. the fourth dimension is, yeah. and it's buzzy because we will never see it. Hey, we will never see it. Like an ant never sees three dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole theory about a flat, a flat. And the the guy started talking about this, and I'm like, he's gonna talk about the Einstein Podolsky bridge, <laughs> and then he said it, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. What's that? <laughs> it's like the Einstein Podolsky bridge is this thing that they talked about, like Einstein and this other guy Podolsky, like theorized of how they would invent of how I um of how uh, an interdimensional wormhole would work, like how you could get to a parallel universe, like not our universe, like another universe where maybe everything's the same, but Hitler was never born or something like some like... Oh, right. Like it's just a little bit different. Like the multiverse. Yeah, 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 like that, like that. But they've actually figured it out, like calculated how it could happen. It's like theoretically possible. But you'd need... You'd need some form of exotic matter to hold the doorway open. And when I say exotic matter, I mean like um, steel times a billion. Like some, like so powerful, like it would have to be like energy times a million, like real powerful to hold it open. And then you can climb through the tunnel to the other thing. So it's impossible. That material will probably never get it. You'd need like a black hole to power the doorway to open it but it's like how do they explain the fourth dimension i didn't really understand it when they talked about the doorway you open the door and you go 
Do you know? Do, do, do you know how they get like that explanation? Have you heard that explanation? Or? This is different the f- to the fourth dimension. All oh, right. The fourth right. dimension is like that would be like where ghosts and stuff are, right? Something about um, they talked. They talked about the um, that cartoon monsters, Monsters Inc. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How they go through the door, and yeah. that's exactly how it works. That's a that's a really good analogy for it. Eh? Funny that it's in a kids movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but you understand more than me. I think. Can you explain that? Yeah, what, but what? F- the fourth dimension is different. Yeah, yeah. This is like have, there's a there's a TV show called Sliders. It's like from the nineties, mm. and it's like he's got this remote control, and he opens up a, a like portal, and then they go through, and it's like the um. They never invented aluminium or something, and it's like all the it's called the heavy world, and uh-huh. everything's heavy because there's no there's no like planes or anything, yeah, or like that. <laughs> but it's that one's not that one's not scientific about the um about the tunnel. It's more just about the the implications of what it would be like if it was just slightly different. Hmm. So to me, the fourth dimension means we can't see what's controlling us, right? There's there's other things out there that can see us, but we can't see them. I'd think of it in terms of like um, a person who's who's um, blind. Person who's blind. Like that. There's a there's a dimension there that they just can't see. Like yeah. Like they can feel, they can smell, they can taste, they can touch, they can hear, but they can't see anything. So. Maybe yep. that's what the fourth dimension is like. It's like another sense that you, right, right. which is that that ant analogy is a good one. Like it's like they live in a two D plane, yeah, and they will never, they can't really tell that you're like just up here yeah, above yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's freaky. Fuck, that's freaky. Yeah. <laughs> no man, that's yeah. I love all this stuff, eh? I love all this stuff. So that's what that's what the 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 blue road cone. It's like <laughs> coming back to the blue rope. That's meant to be like something about that sort of shit. And so I just started <clears throat> painting more and more and more of them. Mm. And then So that's um, like your signature now, eh? You're kinda like your Yeah, yeah. It's like evolved thing. into being my like signature mm. piece that I do and I'm trying to I'm trying to like take it somewhere else now. because when I first saw it and I saw the Mars cone and I said what the hell is talking about? It's red. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's crazy. To be red. It's like real weird, eh? But the way you explained it, it's like, okay, it makes sense now. But see, as an artist, when you express yourself in art... People you know, don't get it. People don't get it. And it's not the, It's not my job to make someone get it. Yeah. And that's... That's, that's the interpretation, right? They yeah. interpret it how they want. And they're allowed to... Inter- <clears> they, <throat> if they might think it's something completely different. I went to a local board meeting and I was trying to say to them, like, hey, I want to paint a massive blue road cones on this retaining wall as like a as like a piece of artwork and they the 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 negative energy they brought to it they were like this is a hit piece against Auckland transport for having road cones everywhere and I was like uh actually that's I don't care about Auckland transport at all like at all this is not about that at all (laughs) this is my crazy shit like this is me being nuts this is nothing to do with that like you can if you want to bring that away if you want to try and put that into my art whatever like Mm. because there's Oniwa Road on the North Shore and it's like real bad (laughs) like the the traffic's like real bad yeah 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 every day so I think they thought it was a dig on that or something I don't know what it was can, can you imagine if you're the guy who invented the road cones? 
You'd be rich right now, eh? That's actually part of the strategy. <laughs> I was thinking about it and I was like, what I need to do to make people like think of me when they're just driving around Auckland is I need to hijack some public symbol. So I was like, the road cone, that's that's the symbol. I'll oh. hijack that. This whole thing about putting more roads in there, yeah, that's the result of, of that, right? The decision to fix all the roads, build more roads. <laughs> you know, you're going to need a million more road cones. Man, I remember when they were doing the um, the Waikato Express, yeah. you know, going down to Hamilton. And while, while they were doing it, there was like, they had road cones all the way from fucking, I don't know where, to almost to Hamilton. There must have been thousands, thousands of road cones, you know? So I do I do something called Legoima. So Legoima is like um, Local Government Official Information and Meetings Act. And you can you can send a Legoima request to any government or council department or agency and they have to reply. So I can ask you a question and you have to answer me. So I found out how much they spend on road cones. <laughs> oh, really? How much? How much? They spend four million a year on road cones. Oh. So it's the same as graffiti removal. <laughs> Which I was like, fuck, that's crazy that they spend like that much. Was well, that uh, this for the Auckland area? Uh, it's nationally. They spend oh, wow. four million a year on road cones in New Zealand. And then I was like, all right, so we spend four million a year on graffiti removal in Auckland. I wonder how much they spend on blue road cones, which is like not the normal one. But I was thinking of it like as art. Like if art is the blue road cone, how much do they spend on blue road cones? So they spend two hundred thousand on all types of public on all types of art in Auckland. The council spends two hundred thousand per year. So they spend fifteen times more money on removing graffiti than all types of artwork. Like allocate. I'm I'm sure they spend more money on artwork. Well, I know they do. They spend more money on artwork outside of the allocated budget, but that's how much they like budget for it. So they budget four million for graffiti removal, and then they budget two hundred thousand for all art. I was yeah. just like, that's a bit. That's not good. You know, there's heaps of there's a lot of examples that I've seen of how the council spend their money, right? For example. <laughs> For example, where I work, that where blue work. intersection. Have you seen it in Henderson? Oh fuck, two hundred thousand, bro. That's the worst. Two hundred thousand. Like, Those what? fucking big planters they've got to stop traffic. Yeah. You know when they did that first, it was like a trial. Yeah, yeah. And I was traffic. part of that. I got paid to do some of the artwork on some of the shows. Was was you that did the blue on the road? Ah, uh, different one, <laughs> different area, but same project. Yeah. Mm. Oh man, fun. the amount of traffic that they got held up. They made everything one lane coming into Henderson. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous, right? <laughs> and 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 I heard the, the the council lady or whoever was saying, "Oh no, we want people to ride their bikes." And, oh, how are we gonna put our shopping on our bikes? You know, this whole riding a bike thing—that was the whole plan of doing that intersection, right? To to make it safe for cyclists. Wasn't that the whole point of it? And that's what they were trying. But then all they did was just anger everybody. All I, all I heard was anger rather than, oh, this is a safe place to ride a bike. I think some people get angry just because it's change and mm. it's and it's a waste of money, which it is. Yeah. So I'd like, I try to think about it like, let's try and not get immediately angry at them because they're so stupid sometimes and they just piss you off. But it's like, okay, let's not, let's not swear at them straight away because they, they, we, maybe they are trying to do something 
innovative that will fix things. But they've got so much money in the bank to spend that they're just being stupid about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because but, like, it's not their money. <laughs> it's not their money, but it's a lot of money. And well, it's a lot of money. The rate players the rate rate payers should you know, complain about this. They should be held accountable, yeah. But then then they heard the argument, oh you should vote the right people in then. No, no, one, no one votes. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Actually it doesn't matter because Auckland Transport is not a council. No, it's not. It's yeah. not the council. You can't elect someone to be on Auckland Transport's board or whatever. Mm. It's not like that. They're like a they're like a rogue entity, man. They're that, entity that's onto crazy. themselves. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy. They're like completely renegade. They just do whatever the hell they want. And they're the ones doing the suckaways everywhere. I've I've made a concerted effort. Like that's what the, that's what this graffiti like sort of trying to get permission to paint street art murals has done is it's actually given me this weird sort of like look into council because i've i'm just narrowly focused on this one topic obsessive compulsively trying to understand how the council relates to this thing and i can see how much of a mess it is and i can see how powerless the local boards are to actually have control over their own walls in their parks and their own walls in Auckland Transport's roadways. And it's like, okay, you guys actually don't have any control over anything then. If you don't even have control over the fence, you don't even have control over the retaining wall to say, yes, you have permission to paint there. I have to go through AT. Like, and AT is not elected. These are unelected people who make the decision. And then they send it back to like it's like they get half the decision and the local board gets half the decision that's wrong it's like the person i voted for should be the person making the decision not some like other person who's just like so it works there for 20 years so it's the new zealand government that needs to change they can change that uh auckland council would need to like reform and uh rewrite their rules of engagement like the the whole rule book of how auckland council as an entity functions you'd need to rewrite it and change it you know how they did the super city back mm. in 2011 or whatever back then? yeah that's that's where it's from oh from then yep. yeah that's the that's when the rules were written and that's when they made the thing of having like the ceo of auckland council who oversees all of it and then you've got the the separate organizations like auckland transport and Watercare and panuku and all these other who do different things it's like real, super, bro, super complicated. I just got lost when I first started trying to understand it. I still don't really understand it at all, but it's like I've got a little, I think I've got more understanding than average person on it. But um, talking to local board members and they feel the same way. There's like, there's like this guy on the North Shore called Adrian Tyler. He's like local board member. He's running on a platform of changing this stuff because he's so sick of it, of of not being able to actually do like not not having the elected members in control having some like unelected official who's it's like why are you making the decision bro like you're, mm. you it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense because the AT is control of a lot of public spaces and it's, it's public space it's you know? huge like it's huge the, it's this massive. is the main thing like yeah. This is the most important piece of infrastructure in the country is all the road network of Auckland. The most. Like, think what else is more important? And to have a bunch of unelected people who get to do what they want and use it as their SimCity playground where they get to sort of just do these random experiments and stuff, it's pretty crazy, yeah. doesn't feel like democracy anymore. It feels like this sort of... 
I mean, it's, it is a little bit democracy, but not enough for my liking. Maybe too much democracy because n- nothing gets done. You, know, you got too many heads in the, you got too many people trying to not step on each other's toes, and you know, too many, too many supervisors, too many, you know, there's too many, too much red tape. It should be more local though. Like mm. local, the local board should be able to make decisions for their local area. They should be able to. They should be able to make decisions about their own road net, network in their own community, not have some central organization telling them what to do in Henderson or in Beechhaven or in whatever suburb. Cause so you would prefer day, reverting away from the Super City and back to Waitakere City Council, Auckland, North Shore City Council, Manukau City Council, as separate entities like before? Yeah. Maybe not that, but... Oh, or just more still, of a... You should still have the Central Auckland Transport Organization, mm. which which like runs all the all the big stuff, because you don't want to double up on having two of everything, like I don't, or ten of everything. Well, just have them maintain the, the roads, maintain the decision, stuff. Yeah, maintain it, do yeah. the job, yeah, but then the have job, the yeah. decisions coming from the local level, yeah. so they get to decide like where they want the roundabout, or if they actually our community doesn't want these bike lanes. No, I've got nothing against bike lanes though. I just, I just think um, I'm, I'm all for like. Local. No, I've got nothing against bike lanes either. It's a. I would except, vote for them personally. Except I, I got a feeling, <laughs> it's obvious that you know majority don't want it, and you yeah, gotta go with the majority. I think it should be local decisions. You just gotta go with the majority, you know. Have the bike lane like um, off the road would be pretty cool, eh? Like a separate pathway. Well, I get the idea, but I don't think Auckland has the topography to to do it. Because they, cause they talk about, like, we want to be like Holland. They've got bike, bikes everywhere. And I asked, I haven't been to Holland, but I asked some of the people in my work, like, I've been to Holland, yeah, I've been to Holland. Is it flat? Yeah, how yeah, it's flat. <laughs> like Christchurch, it's real flat. It's, it's real so flat. nice for biking. Oh, duh. It's, like, great. I mean, <laughs> of course they got bikes, it's flat. Yeah. But Auckland ain't that got that type of topography, man. We're, we're going up hills, we're going to ride up hill. <laughs> <laughs> you get you real know? fit. It makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense to me. So that um that thing that you that thing that you heard about on the radio that I was talking to Heather about because that was about taggers taking over your art, right? Yeah. So I get permission to paint this wall, and I go there and I paint a big mural on the wall, like big piece of street art on the wall, whole wall, blue road cones. Is this where you're getting? Is this where you get to? They tag on there because they know it's not going to get taken off. So it's like, yeah, this is the same reason why. This is also broken. This is the same, like, they wrote these rules back in, like, the, like, 2011. And they, they like, it's like, the artists and the, the graffiti artists, they're, they're not stupid people. Like, people think, people think, like, a tagger is a dumbass. But it's like, no, this, this person is, like, stealthy. They're stealing all their paint often not all of them but some are some are like rich kids and they have lots of paint other ones just spend all the, i'm one of the ones that i don't steal any paint and i spend all my money on paint and i just go without for other things i'm like that's that's my that's my priorities like having paint is top priority um so your tools yeah, you're having your tools well what else do i need yeah. i need food water and paint that's all. I don't need luxury clothes. I don't need designer this, designer that, like this fake concept of luxury. No, I'd rather be creating culture. That's what's important to me. So 
I got they they know that they know what the rules are. They've figured out what the rules are, and it's residential and it's small business. So they've figured out that big business, like a construction company, doesn't have free graffiti removal service offered to them by the council. So that's why the construction sites are always getting hit. That's literally why. So the construction sites are like target number one. So these poor construction companies are getting like smashed with graffiti because the taggers know that they're not going to get it removed for free. Mm. Especially with those hoardings, eh? They've got to hold yep. their sites. Which is the same thing. And I just fell into this black hole of getting permission to paint these sites that are like owned by big companies and they give me permission to paint their fence. And then the tag is like, they know that that site is owned by a big construction company because it's like a, it's like a, um, either a, a derelict site, like an empty site, or a, um, a, one of those car parks in town where, um, you know, like it's like, an, it's like a, a building got knocked down and then it's got gravel on it. And now it's like a car park. So they know that that site isn't going to get free graffiti removal. So now they're like battling me for the wall. So it's like, I'll paint the wall with my mural of like road cones. And then I come back like a week later and they've just wrecked it. Like it's all, I'm not talking just some tags on it. I'm talking like the whole thing covered, like pieces, all gone. And then I have to start again. And it's the tags that did that. Yeah. And we're yeah. on like round 90. Right. <laughs> like back and forth, back and forth. Right. I saw that piece you did, I saw in your photos down in Ponsonby. Down that road between, I think it's uh, the Revel Bar. The Revelry, yeah. yeah Re- Revelry yeah. Bar, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was a construction site there. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's finished now, but... Is it they're, still, they're still building, yeah. Uh, but you had that piece in the... Yeah, what's it, a container? What's, one's oh. on a container, one's on the hoarding. Mm. There's like there's like six pieces of walls there. Yeah. That's so that was one of the pieces they got, got That hit. one's getting tagged as well, yeah. They're yeah. hitting that. They, I think that's like a retaliation for me painting over them on that on that um, car park. But they don't. I think they. I think. I don't know what they. I don't know what they think because it's. Well, it's like you said. It's a place where they know it's not going to get taken off. Yeah, but it's also personal. They, they're lashing out at me because I've got permission and they don't. And they don't think it's fair that I'm getting permission to legally paint this spot when they want that spot to be an illegal graffiti spot where anyone can paint and they can just go nuts. So when I paint there, they just come and wreck my art again. And then now they're lashing out on my like legal murals that were never, ever a graffiti spot. And they're trying to take those out too. And it's like, come on, man. Like, this is pretty fucking petty. The construction companies pay you to... Yeah, paint there. Oh, yeah, okay. and they're paying me to go and re- repair the graffiti. Right. So these guys wrecking my mural. It's like, well, I'll I still get paid, but it's my client that's suffering more than anything. Um. But then, on one of the sites, I've like, I've like come up with a strategy. I was like, all right, I paint over them, and they come back and paint it again, and I paint over them, and they come back and paint it again. So let's try something else. So I started like screwing wood onto the wall. It's like. It's like um, I've got I've got a jigsaw and I cut out the road cones mm. and make it into like a 3D piece. 
so it's like popping out of the wall right so they can't the idea is they can't then just tag straight over the top because it'll um it'll like be 3d after they paint on it so this is all like pieces of wood and road cones and i was just trying to be like a troll kind of like <laughs> you want to tag over me here i'll try this try this as an experiment to see what you'll do next time but now it's like actually that's like sick man people like this mm. so i'm thinking i've actually that inadvertently by having this this weird like graffiti battle over this wall i've like invented a new style that i'm really excited to try and see where i can take this and do some it's almost as if when they tag it's part of the artwork yeah yeah which is so cool i cool. love that that <laughs> that even if they tag over the top it doesn't matter it'll yeah. just blend into it yeah. and i'll just keep putting more layers of um cut up road cones and um and timber and different things i just went and bought like ten thousand screws and nails and fuck that's brilliant bro i've got like fuck like 500 liters of paint so it's like oh that's brilliant that's, let's go you know that's that is really thoughtful of you and thinking outside the box as man because i've i've just met you for the last hour and a half and man your mind just works like <laughs> differently and which is good you know like I wouldn't see the average Joe will, will hate these taggers for painting my art. You know, fuck these guys. But it's all art, right? We're all artists here, right? I mean, you know, it's we're on the same ballpark here. We're doing, we've got the same goals, really. Yeah, we've got it's like different sides of the same coin. So I have a lot like, more in common with them than. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And for you to like for you to have them. the idea to do something that will, if you tag on it, it will be part of the artwork. So let's all. <laughs> be out together now yeah, yeah. you know that's brilliant man that's brilliant. I'm, I'm secretly giving them a cuddle when they don't and they don't like it but <laughs> no that's cool man that's cool yeah you know um i'm gonna take it back to the start with you like so you grew up in north shore obviously you did art at school and but when did you find what how did you know you wanted to be an artist when you were young what well, what were you doing what were you drawing i can remember this um i can remember this painting that i did when i was a kid it was like i'd i'd been having these weird dreams and i um i somehow found myself reading this like my my parents were kind of religious and i so i learned about sort of spirituality but then also i was real interested in science so i was kind of like in this weird like didn't know what was real and um i was, I was interested in my dreams i was like what's this dreams i mean this is crazy like they kept i kept having this like recurring nightmare of being chased by people in a van and um the van would like turn to a motorbike sometimes and like it's like don't know if it was like gang members or something i like grew up in beach haven which was like real fucking rough man it's like used to get my head smashed in heaps and get in fights and like all sorts of crime and stuff like so um this this nightmare i had it was like i i found this dream book and it was about like lucid dreaming and how you could um how you could pinch yourself in your dream and like wake up but not wake up 
and you would still be in your dream but now you're um now you're sort of lucid like you can you can manipulate your dream and do what you want in the dream instead of the dream right. just happening to right. you so i could take control of the dream I've had yeah that yeah i think I've most people would have experienced yeah. it so i learned these lucid dreaming techniques and you have to do it when you're awake it's like every now and then just go am i awake <laughs> am i awake or the other one was i had this one this was my trigger was to look at my watch and then to look at it again <laughs> and if the time was the same you're awake but if the time because when you're dreaming nothing like that will stay the same it'll always change so my watch was my thing and i'd and i'd time travel and i'd be like nah this time isn't right and i'd be like yeah. i'd just snap out of it and i'd full take control of the dream yeah, yeah and there was one where um we were where i was on this um i was getting i was like i was on the stage and there was like ballerinas dancing across the stage and then this train came across the stage and then the audience turned into the trees and then i like woke up something like that so i painted that and that was like one of my favorite that was like a real cool painting that i made when i was a kid mm. Because it was based on just bullshit. It wasn't like a, <laughs> wasn't trying to paint like a real thing. It was yeah. like painting this like crazy like people half people half tree and like ballerina train stage thing like just this whole like crazy mess. It was really colorful and stuff. So and it was kind of like abstract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was the first real like significant painting I did. And then um, I didn't really I didn't really paint again for like properly like for years and then um when i was painting graffiti like tagging because i was tagging hanging around with, like naughty kids and then um i started going to town and like there was this place called um oriental markets yeah yeah, yeah. in town yeah did you ever go there yeah yeah i went there where it was like all cracked that's out. where all the um brother mothers now yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah. was all like had like art in there and mm -hmm. it's ironically like that's where the train is now and it was like um just just felt like something like different like this was like this was this was important i was like in there and i was like there was all this art everywhere and it was like real cool and we'd like climb up in the rafters and do tags up high but i saw the pieces there of people who'd done like really amazing pieces and what some of my friends around that time they were like doing they were doing pretty good like pieces and I watched them do them and that was one of my friends Mike he like he did a he did a piece and then I met other I met other friends of friends and more writers and more writers and I just fell in love with the whole like thing of of graffiti and yeah. um you're still in school this time this time were you mm -hmm. still at school high school no nah, I dropped out oh, okay. I dropped out yeah. I was like I never thought I'd be an artist at that. when I was at school I never thought I'd be an artist I was good at maths I thought I'd be doing something in like science mm. and then um, well I guess I do blue road cone style still doing science <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, one of my one of my writer friends like Tutos he he I made real good friends with him and I would paint with him and then um, when I was in Australia 
I befriended this guy called Anthony Lister, and he's like, a, um, he's like, paints like modern take on superheroes, but they're like, um, oh, modern take on like legends and myths, like heroes, but like in a modern way, like it's like superheroes, but then also, um, really like really talented artist and follows like many of the the great like the great artists from the the 20th century like um picasso and francis bacon and brett whiteley and he he educated me about the art world and how to how to like be a be like a boss of painting and how to um how to like it's like how to how to be in control of the artwork instead of instead of just trying to trying to recreate something of but how to actually like make art and i learned lots of skills off that guy that was real that was real like life-changing experience working with him for i've worked with him for many years i and then um one of my many I've, I, I had this thing of, I loved like meeting a random person who was like maybe some like artist, like young person tagger or something and like taking them under my wing and like teaching them and like trying to, trying to get them to be better. And, um, one of my, one of my best friends, James, he's like, um, he's like full-time artist in Australia now, which is really cool to see that he's, he's like gone places with it, like. I met him when he was like 13 years old and I was like, I was doing stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. It's like quite crazy. So, so your, your artist career now just came about as just a hobby. Now it's, you didn't go to school or anything? You didn't go to art school? I went to Potoma Te Raumanga. It was like a art school in, um, Grafton right. for like, three months months. and (laughs) they were like teaching us to like get paper and cut it into pieces and like weave it together and then like other like stuff i can't really remember it i it wasn't very good it was like very low level like art stuff like and that and the teacher wasn't an art teacher so they didn't know what they're doing either it was like what are you doing like (laughs) just taking your money (laughs) yeah yeah it was just like what is this like this isn't real art school and then i'd like every day at lunch i'd go outside and we were right next to the motorway so I'd um, go out onto the motorway and I brought a saw with me and I'd hack down all the trees on the side of the motorway and like clear the fences. <laughs> and then I'd come back at night with my friends and we'd, and we'd bomb the motorway, like paint all these spots I'd made during my lunch breaks. So I was just keen. I was just keen to do gra- graphite. I was like, this is just the best thing ever. Like graffiti is just the best thing ever. Painting beautiful, colorful artwork. Because if you look into 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 the graph culture around the world, it's big, eh? It's huge. It is the largest art movement in human history. It's an urban art movement, eh? It brings history. art to the masses, mm. where other art is all about money, and most of it's just, frankly, bullshit. Like, it's just just bullshit. It's just a way for people to transfer wealth and, and launder money. It's not real. It's not real art at all. Whereas graffiti... You are putting everything on the line. You're doing it legally most of the time. You're you're not getting paid. This is artistic integrity. This is everything you would expect from a brilliant artist who should be looked up to and admired. Someone who is just 
risking it all and it's like a hero in a story like that's what you would those are the traits you would think of is not someone who's like in a gallery trying to make heaps of cash that's a scumbag so when i when i looked at graffiti i was like this is amazing these people are like brave and you know and i remember when i was like five years old there was this dude jx and he used to tag up beach haven that was like the first tag i ever remember seeing romana and then i like met him years later and i got to paint with him i was like this is sick it was like so cool so i think those like weird chance encounters where i actually got to paint with some of my like role models from when i was younger was what just hooked me into it even more and made me like addicted and then um just want to do it forever i remember when i was at school i was in high school in the early 90s and i just remember i remember the tags in the local area like there's always the one tag that's everywhere yeah yeah yeah. you know everybody knows like who that person is right now there's this guy called bloom he's up real hard (laughs) out eh? he's one of the guys that's like capping me like painting over me (laughs) yeah i remember there were styles too like there was a thing where they would graffiti um because out west i grew up out west and uh, back in the early 90s there were, there were a lot of gangs like yeah guys coming together and calling themselves a gang yeah yeah not i had a gang like what we know now with the, you know yeah like the youth bucky gangs. gangs yeah youth gangs you know yeah, like, yeah. and um yeah they it'll be like a tag thing they were tagging yeah. but then the style was like drawing uh a silhouette of everybody that was the thing Oh, like that you do a silhouette of the person of of the group the group of people in that gang like might be it might be five guys or six guys and you they'll just draw a, a silhouette of them that was that was like everywhere it's cool mm. but I, I i was talking about my friend um addict he's he's a real influential graffiti artist in auckland and he was talking to me about how like people think of graffiti like the people who the people who don't know about art and that are doing graffiti they think it's like this quite masculine thing like doing graffiti but it's like when you really think about it you're like la 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 like painting on a wall it's quite it's quite a like feminine thing really like this is painting on the wall (laughs) yeah you're painting this is like a this is a pastime of like what you would you know think of as a flamboyant Mm. or a woman like not a not necessarily a tough guy going around painting like it's quite an interesting change of you know, it's quite a the fact that people are scared of artists. I just find that like mind blowing. Like someone out there with a spray can painting on the wall, and people are like, "Oh my god!" Oh, like it's like when did that happen? That's never been the case. I wonder if it's the same feeling as people in when when the oldies when the oldies think about getting a tattoo. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. yeah putting yeah. a painting on the building is like the building getting a tattoo. Yep. yep. So it's sort of like the same thing. Yeah. I mean the psychology around it, like <laughs> they don't want to see tattoos in the workplace, cover up. They don't want to see a mural. Then that's that building just got tattooed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But cover depends up. what the tattoo is. If it's like those, I don't know, like the spider web ones, those are the tags. If it's like a nice, ah, uh, <laughs> that's the mural. That's you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm real curious about that sort of stuff. I eh? mm. like I look around like and see different different ways of people tagging and different like it's evolving. The art form is always evolving. There's people doing different sneaky ways of painting that don't get buffed. 
like there's a guy that does like um like little tiles mm. like you glue it on the wall and they they like stay up because the council like hasn't figured out like oh that's graffiti too <laughs> like if i went and got a whole lot of white crosses mm. and illegally put those up would those stay up the, you're right you know what you're i mean right, so yeah. i'm trying to think of where is the where is that line and wherever that line is the artist is pushing that line mm. and if i need to push it to the point where it breaks good because that's what we need we there's someone needs to break it i think i understand where you're coming from with the with the line when you draw the line because i don't know this woman rest in peace but there's that woman that got killed when she was on a bike and going around um, Tamaki Drive, yeah. And someone opened the door. And she yep. smacked into the door, and the, oh no, nah, I think she, someone opened the door, the door, and she was on the outside. Yeah. So she swerved the door, but a truck hit her. Yeah. Yeah. And she died. They put her bike on the corner there. I don't know if you see it. It's, I think it's still there. And they painted it white. Painted it all white. Yeah. And they just left it there. Yeah. It's that sort of thing, eh? Like, is that? So you can apply through Auckland Transport. To mm. do a mem- memorial of your like white cross on the side of the road, yeah. but it doesn't have to be a white cross; it can be whatever. So mm. that's that would have probably been done through that thing. I don't know if it's through Auckland Transport or Auckland Council, but I recently rang up to talk about it because I was like, "How?" But it- in art terms, there's a sculpture. Yeah, right. but it's memorial, there's a legal process for sculpture. getting it done. Right. So I was thinking, what if when someone died? we just kept attaching more and more stuff onto the cross and just like sort of like took over the whole street coming off it like where would they draw the line and say no no that's too much you should test them you know you know no so when i die anyone can just come and paint on the spot where where i die and just keep adding more (laughs) stuff for the whole of auckland well, you can piss them off. If- and where would they draw the line? Like, is there a legal like definition of how many meters it is from the cross, or like, can it just be forever? Like, well, who's a famous Kiwi right now who's old? That's re- that's ready to cuck it. Yeah, yeah, they can agree to be on the on the ticket, and then just draw them. I think they'd have to die in a public <laughs> place, though, right? I don't think it works if you're. I mean, I'm thinking about New York. How they have um, Biggie Smalls mural because he died, or a Tupac mural, you know, on the wall because he died. That kind of thing. That's another, that's a curious one. It's like, if I go and, if I go and paint a rest in peace mural for someone who died illegally on the side of like an abandoned building or somewhere, that'll get destroyed as well. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, what if it's Lynn Brown? <laughs> He's not me anymore, but, or someone important. You know? I had this um <laughs> I have this art concept. There's some art concepts that you're not allowed to actually do. You just talk about them. Really? Yeah, cuz they're like you, an unwritten rule. No, nah, like if you do them you might get in trouble. <laughs> so uh, This one is um it's an art exhibition where you where you get people's tombstone out of the graveyard and you take it and you put it in the street as a sculpture like um my i i was trying to think of what would the rules be around how you would do that because you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to take someone who's died and they they're lonely 
so they're in the graveyard no one comes to visit them they're long dead maybe maybe you'd say 100 years old the grave they died 100 years ago so nobody is alive today that knew them 100 percent sure nobody knows them anyone that says that they have an emotional connection to that grave is just projecting they're actual projecting it's not real so get that grave the tombstone and then put it in the town center in henderson or something so then it's like everyone can see they're having a day on them <laughs> like it's like this <laughs> this like thought experiment of like how would that make people feel is this art is this because i'm i'm challenging established norms i'm making people see something outside of its usual context these are all the hallmarks of art this is quite a i thought it would be like real interesting and i was like what would you call this what would you tapu violation <laughs> like but that's why i'm not allowed to do it because <laughs> you you'd, you'd get in so much trouble dude people would be fucking well what, what, what you're talking about getting in trouble that's still a social construct right and it what, is a social contract, and absolutely. What, and what you're doing is another social construct. It's just not popular. Yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, challenging. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so artists get really well, like received for doing this sort of stuff. But you've got to tread that line. You can't be too disrespectful. It's got to be done in a way where it's like interesting, but not just hurtful. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because what we're talking about, like. Because you know, lately I've been, I've been reading up and and watching society when it comes to political correctness, right? Yeah. The whole diversity and the whole um, the cultural appropriation, all that kind of stuff, yeah. um, pronouns, all, all all that kind of stuff, and like to hear the reasons behind all this. This comes from postmodernism right and th- what they say is that if, if if all the rules we know it are social construct then we can change it and that's what they fall back on right see 10 years ago we didn't even had these sort of conversations we never had these these word changing conversations where you can't say fat anymore you can't say certain words anymore five years ago you could you know what i mean um we didn't have these pronoun conversations anymore you know, it's changing society in a way, you know, it's, it's like, it's overnight. Yeah. But the reason when I looked into it, it's changing because they say the norm is a social construct. So we can change it. We can do whatever we want. We can, we can now say that pronouns is a thing now. We can now say that, you know, there's cancel culture now because it wasn't cancel culture before, but now it is. Yeah. You can't be racist. You can't, but... You know, every minority has, has rights now. It never used to be like this before, five years ago. Now it's changed because, yeah, because of that. Cause I wonder of, if one day the graffiti artist will be a minority that has rights and will be like, you can't destroy my culture. You can't, like, your front your front fence is not your property anymore. It's public property. I'd love to exactly. see that paradigm shift. Nah, exactly, where, exactly. Where the front fence became... Because you don't care what's on the side of your fence facing your neighbours. You don't care what's on the back facing that neighbour behind you. Nobody cares. So why do you care about the front? Why is the, Why have we got this fetish of the front and um, where we're, it's, it's ego projection? It's like I've got my ego of my naked body, my ego of the clothes I'm wearing, the ego of the car I'm driving, the ego of the house I live in, and we got to extend that ego out onto your front fence too. Like, when can we, can we wind that in? 
can we sacrifice that and just say, hey, how about how about the the roadway, those front fences on that roadway? We're saying this is a public good, and it can be maintained as a public asset. That's something I sort of think of. I, th- I think I think there's a clash there. What what you're saying? The clash is, okay, we don't care what's happened on the other side of the fence. Yeah. So it's not in our periphery. We don't mm-hmm. care, right? You can do whatever. Yeah. I think as humans, we don't we we don't want be, to be told what to do. And at the same time, we want to own that. We want to be entitled, as well. We're entitled to things. And if that guy complained because I don't like the smurl, yeah. take it off. He he's been entitled that yes. he can do that. But then there's the, like, then there's the landowner, who owns the house, and rents it out, and does nothing to maintain the property at all. Just leaves it as a dump, and the front fence has never been maintained at all. And he will take advantage of the tags being done on the fence and get that free graffiti removal because he knows it's like a, a free upgrade of his fence. Or there's like a um, like in town, you have like certain laneways or like in in poor socioeconomic areas, like in Odahu, for example. I was doing this work out there, and the buildings are just so badly maintained, man. It's like shocking, and. Why would anyone in their right mind who owns that building care if I came and did some beautiful artwork on it, but I'm not allowed to because of the rule? Does it make any space? So I try to think of it in terms of like um, when it was like full illegal to be homosexual and how there was like this paradigm shift where it's like now it's it's socially accepted we're saying sorry for the wrongs that were done to this group of people and how we misunderstood them and how we had like these these bad rules and maybe one day like maybe the maybe one day the street artist will be will get the same sorry from the government mm. and we'll treat it as a civil rights issue as a group of people who have been oppressed and and this sort of thing i'm not sure if i'm not sure if it will go down that road ever but i'm not yeah i I'd like to be at see it's, it treated that. I think that's what like they want. I think that's what it's heading to. That any minority group, you can make a group, of, you can make any group, and then become a minority group, and then you can <laughs> fight for your right to be that minority. If group. I said it was a religion, maybe you'll get it. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, religions doesn't matter now. Now you can be transgender. Now you can be, I don't know, a midget. You can fight for your rights as a midget. Yeah. Because it's not about individuals anymore. It's about identity. Because that's the whole thing about identity politics. Politics. That's what's happening now. Like, if you're a minority group and you, it's about you being oppressed. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm I'm very privileged. I'm white. I'm straight. I'm male. <laughs> I've got all these. So that's why I was thinking with Auckland Council. Um, I think I have a. I have. I think I have like mental illness. I. I'm like real. I've like had these like i'm not feeling okay and i'm feeling like real like disgruntled and angry and stuff about the way i've been treated by the state and by the council and by these organizations and i've reached out to them and i've legitimately tried to like engage with them and i went to a psychiatrist today and was like diagnosed with um it's called like irritable depression so now I have a an Auckland Council inflicted mental illness. So you can use that. Mechanism? Well, if I have to, I I will use any angle I can because 
that's how they if i if i have if if i am not a minority and i am not a special interest group i will never get the attention that i need to on the subject so if i have to um i didn't go and get that diagnosis like because i said anything i just that's what i have apparently so now that i have a diagnosis if i can use that to help shine light on this problem and and get it fixed man i'm going to i I don't care like i have no shame about it or stigma or anything it's like because you know the amount of money the amount of money the government spent on mental health you know that this is the kind of stuff they want to avoid heartbreaking but but see this is stuff they want to avoid right yeah and you're a perfect example, a case. Like, you've got the diagnosis. Art should that, be making me happy. That's like, I shouldn't be exactly. getting a mental health issue because of me trying to get permission to paint a fucking wall. No, exactly. I uh, should be happy from painting. Mm. It used to bring me so much joy to paint illegally, and now I've decided to not paint illegally, and I've got a fucking mental health problem because of it. That is disgusting. That is absolutely disgusting that I have to get a mental health problem from trying to be an artist without painting illegally. That's disturbing, bro. I was like, what What are they doing to people? We have a mental health crisis in this country and we know that art is one of the solutions to it, that it lets people have an outlet, it provides beauty in your space, like your environment. Your environment's so important, being able to like look around you and feel like the, the, the street you walk down is nice. You feel proud of your like community and your neighborhood. But remember, you're talking to old people here. Yeah? They don't understand. It's not clean. They do not understand. But it's interesting your predicament because it's sort of like to me, I'm thinking they're eating them themselves up. They're eating their own up. Because if if the government spends all this money on mental health, right? And their own local body has caused mental health on you, because you want to make because you want you make a living on, on art, right? On street art. Yeah. And that's that's affecting your it affects your livelihood. That's your that's your thing, right? Yeah. And and they talk about having the COVID lockdowns and and, and giving if you can't work then we'll, we'll pay you to work. You know? Yep. You have to work. This is your thing. This, this is how you make a living. This is how you put a roof over your head. This is how you put food on the table. You know? And they're stopping you from doing that. That's that's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. But there's positives. There's a, there's a lot of positives. Um, the needle was moving. Like I say, like I say, this is the largest art movement in human history. We're, we're seeing more art being brought to the masses than ever before. People never had this access. And um, it's not going to go away. The graffiti movement ain't stopping it's just it's just getting it's just adapting to the environment that it's in um yeah so you have a studio you have a studio yeah i have, and, a, I have a studio yeah yeah and so so so, so what does your day-to-day look like like you do it full-time yeah what does that look like um you have your own hours i assume yeah, I mean that's what I mean by I'm, I I I complain about the stuff because I know it's like it's it's um for the for the culture it's bad and for the for the artist community it's bad because I know there's so many young artists who want to have a space to be able to create and they don't. But me, man, I'm 
I don't have anything to complain about. I have a studio. I have I have excellent friends around me. I have paint, all the paint I could ever fucking need for the next like years. Um, I have surfaces to paint on. I have clients. I have places to exhibit art. I have the skill set of knowing how to create good art and how to sell it. And that's all. Like even if I was even if I was completely broke, I lost everything. I'd be able to rebuild from that. So I feel really lucky as far as that goes but yeah i just wish i just wish that i could maybe i should just no if if i ran for local board man i'd I'd hate it it wouldn't be funny it would be so bad they'll suck you dry even more yeah so i i have my i have my like studio car and i drive to spots and i go and paint some walls and then do like stuff in the studio and go and go to friends houses i usually just give my art away yeah. Lots of my lots of my art I give away. I'm just real generous with it. Just Have you ever done the um a gallery? A exhibition? Yeah. We yeah. we do exhibitions and stuff like that. Um not much. Not much. But my friend Gary, um, he runs this gallery out in um Glen Innes and it's called the Good the Bad Gallery, but it's like it's like O O A. It's like this. And um, I've got some stuff exhibited there. I I don't really want to. I don't really want to plug my art too much. Um, you can plug it. Nah, <laughs> it's, it's like people just people will see it. Um, I like doing I like doing stuff on the street. I just want to get permission to do people's walls. eh? like just just fences, front road front road fences facing the main road. So that's the best way to get more work. Because if I go and paint someone's fence for free in a public main road somewhere, I'll get like two paid jobs out of that while I'm doing it. So every time I'm just out there in the public painting, I was trying door knocking for ages and it was just like, nah, this is, this doesn't work. Just paint the same wall over and over and over again and every time you paint it, you get like two more jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for you, what is the feeling painting on a wall rather than on the canvas um, in the studio? what's that feeling you get that that's different that 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 tells you this is why i love doing what i do it's like a there's the four different there's the four different roles of of everyone has everyone fulfills one of these four roles in human society so you've got the audience so the people who are like watching they're consuming the culture and then you've got the backstage they're the people who are like helping to make the culture but they're not like right up front then you've got the director the person who's like um running the running the show like organizing planning telling other people what to do and then you've got the star of the show, the person who's like on the stage doing the the like star of the show stuff. I just think I like that part, like being the star of the show. Being on the star <laughs> of the show. I don't know. It's just funny. Like being <laughs> just the just the interactions you have. But as a street artist, honestly, man, like if you would if you were to categorize a street artist as a like as a like a try to like compare it to another form of a person the closest thing is it's like you're a fucking homeless person honestly dude you feel like homeless person because <laughs> you got the homeless person chair 
you're you're like a vagrant. You're you're always moving around. You like have no specific place that's yours. You feel ownership for all the public space, like a homeless person, because they just live. They just inhabit everywhere. Yeah. Like when you're sitting on a park bench, you're sitting in a homeless person's living room. <laughs> like that's that's where you are. Mm. So that's like a street artist. I'm putting artwork inside the homeless person's house for them. That's, right. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And you you inhabit this interesting when you when you go and paint somewhere for like a week. Um, that's the another cool thing about it is the community. I get to I get to go into some community, and um, you meet the people who are like out in the street all the time like they'll just and if they're if you're there for like five days maybe the first or the second day they don't really talk to you but they always start talking to you on like day three they're like because you're starting to become part of the furniture they're like oh you've been here for a while Hmm. and they come and have a chat and they'll like buy your coffee or like just have a nice talk that's nice that's nice um that's where you get the second opportunities like they'll like go hey come do my house come come paint my garage or come over for a beer and just hang up and just being able to, I just like that organic nature of it. It feels so um, like different to any other job I've had. Mm. Yeah. That's nice. So what on average does it take to, to paint a wall? Depends uh, Depends how big it is, but. Depends how big it is, depends yeah. on the detail level, depends how much but, paint. But you could be there a week depends on if the subject matter of the painting is something i'm super familiar with or if it's not something i'm familiar with depends if they want a very specific style like if they want it to be quite polished and yeah uh, to look like quite like realism usually where Mm -hmm. i prefer to do like abstract like real um distorted uh cubist sort of imagery um that's what I prefer, like throwing paint around, being more like, how does this feel rather mm-hmm. than how does it look? Yeah. When when you do the private stuff. So two to a hundred hours, like. Right. All, all big range, big range. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, about a week, week and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't painted much that's taken more than, I mean, I've painted a few that have painted like take like 150 hours, but not many. Mm. Yeah, you know when the the private businesses come to you, do they sort of give you a brief on what they want, or do they just tell you to go nuts? Usually, what happens is they give me a brief, and then I go and do the design, and then I'll send them the design, and then I never hear from them again. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I like my my hit rate with commercial jobs is real bad, eh? Because my my designs are shit. Like, <laughs> so do do do. Do you go off the track of the brief? Is that what you do? Is that why they no, don't bring you back? D- I'm not good at drawing on paper. Like I can draw, yeah. but not. I can't draw to the level. I can't do something on paper or on a small thing the same as a big wall. Right. I'm good at painting on a big wall because right. that's what I spend most of my time doing. Yeah. So when they say, "Oh, I want a design of what you're going to paint on the wall," it's like, "Oh my god, no." Even if you communicate to them, oh, it's not. I can't do it the same. They can't. Their imagination can't see, so they see this this drawing, and they're just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> and then they go and hire someone else, and that person does a really cool drawing, but then the painting is like 
what womp like i would have done a way better job of the painting if you had it right right so that happens sometimes and it's like a bit annoying there's lots of things like that that it's just like mm. oh that's a bit annoying but all i can think of is there's a there's a there's a hole in my skill set that i need to plug i need to improve that skill that i'm having an issue with i need to get better at doing sampling so i've really worked on it right and um it is improving which is great so i'm i'm able to identify these sort of i think that's good that's like a lesson for anyone to learn with anything right if, especially if you're running a small business is what are the things that i'm doing that i'm struggling with and that are making me have to do more work and how do i fix that problem and if i improve that in that one area like for what are the five skills that i really need to have on point and what's the weakest one and work on that one and get mm. it better and then work on the next one and get it better so then over time like i can go from being like every 10 meetings i get like three of the jobs and then maybe now it's like okay every four meetings every 10 meetings i get four of the jobs i know what you're saying because yeah. i have the same problem yeah because i have because i produce this podcast all by myself and there's different jobs i need to do and I can identify one job that is I'm weak at. <laughs> but I just don't have the time to... I always put it off. I always procrastinate it. I know what I got to do. I know I got to... I know what I got to do to make it better. What's it's, the What's the one that you got to improve on? Well, that's that's the the time. Because I need to speed up the, the process of, of post-production. Right? I know how to do it. But I just don't get into learning it. I'm just still stuck with how I how I do it, which is probably, which which is longer. I know what I gotta do to make it shorter, but I need to learn it. Is this gonna get edited, or is it just? Do we just put the whole? No, I'll put the whole thing. In. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Chat. Well, the, well, that's one way to make it faster. Because I, I remember when we started this podcast, like I think the first fifty, I was editing hard out, but now I just, I just give up. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so I know, I know, I know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say, got to work on those those weak spots. Yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to to improve. But you know, like with street art and stuff, what what have been your sort of insp- inspirations? Like your the people that you look up to? Because I know internationally, there's that guy Banksy, who's like he's the most famous street artist in the world at the moment, eh? Because you've you've sort of have you like sort of transitioned from graffiti art to murals? That that's your specialty now, eh? That's what that's what you like. That's what you're passionate about doing now, eh? Yeah. And and you know on your Instagram page, I can see because I saw a lot of those those birds on your Instagram. So I know those are council jobs. So now I know I don't worry about those jobs. Those are just council jobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but when you see works like I enjoy doing them though. I do enjoy doing them. They're good. Yeah, but you know when you see a guy like Banksy do what he does around the world, man, you gotta, man, uh, it's amazing, eh? Yeah, yeah it's stuff, pretty eh? cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Because this stuff is political without being political. Like it's real subtle, but it's political, eh? A lot of this stuff. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots more street artists than Banksy. There's so many. It's like when you when you really go down that rabbit hole, there's just like thousands and thousands and thousands of of just super talented individuals who are just pumping out just crazy work. You see, I'm not even there because I just know the famous guy. 
um, I met this guy. I, th- I think I can't remember if it's. I think it's Vils V H I L S. I think, and um, he was doing. I met him in like 2012, and he was doing like this, using a um, a jackhammer, like a like a handheld jackhammer to like drill into the wall and draw the face in the wall, and now he's doing like explosions on the wall to make his art like blow i'm pretty sure he's like he's he must be he must be like prepping the wall first with the um with the mural like drilling it in and then he's like packing the wall with explosives and then re-plastering the wall so it's just flat white and then blowing it up again so the video is like real sick of this of this (laughs) wall blowing up Mm. um (laughs) yeah so that's one guy that you inspired yeah inspiration from um one of my friends levi hawken he's like a oh he's the nick minute guy yeah minute yeah he's like a he he most people don't know this but he's a graffiti artist so he started doing graffiti like long before all Mm. that all that shit blew up him and um those two rappers um those two old school rappers i forgot their name Like from Auckland. Yeah, there's two white dudes. Like Mike Pipes. They're they're rapping. They're back in the early nineties or eighties, late eighties. Like Louis Nux? Nah, it doesn't make doesn't come to mind. But yeah, oh, he does yeah. he does like um he does like concrete sculptures, um which is pretty cool. And there's there's lots of guys there's lots of guys doing cool stuff in Auckland. There's like Paul Walsh, he does the um the like chorus boxes all around. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um so he's got that contract, the chorus contract to the I don't list. think he's got a contract. I think he's just like they just they just favoritism him and give mm. him give him lots of them. Um which I mean good on him. He's like got the got the contact right. Um and then there's I mean, there's too many. There's too many names to name. There's just heaps of people, super talented, doing loads of cool murals and stuff around Auckland. Um, and I'm sort of inspired by everyone in their own way. Even the people who I don't like their stuff, I can appreciate like that. There's some, there's some pretty amazing genius going on behind what's being produced. Um, even like the cheesy stuff that's like you know that, what's that world sell out <laughs> i mean if you if you have a patron it's not really about you it's you're you're creating something for the the client it's not you've got to step outside and say like you know this this is this is work that i'm creating for someone else there's there's plenty of time to create the work that you want to create yourself as an artist and um and being paid to create art is you know my ego used to be quite big about this and i didn't like the idea of um getting paid to create art i just thought that was sort of dirty or something i bet there's something dirty about it but it's like really that's just that's a bit silly and it's sort of just jealousy i guess of of not of someone else getting paid and trying to create a reason why they're bad for getting paid and it's like the only reason someone should be not 
okay with someone cre- creating artwork for someone is if the entity that's paying for the work is evil then you're a sellout right right like right. if you're like if you're like a vegan and you're making art for kfc yeah you're kind of selling out right there like <laughs> this is but otherwise it's like if if the if the clients if the client is someone whose values align with your own and you can like you can respect the work that you've created there's nothing there's there's nothing wrong with that i think that's great yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, I, I believe I, I, I believe there's artists out there no matter what the artists can be can be music can be paintings can be anything you want that's art art worthy so something that you create like creatives right you create something for the rest of the world to enjoy it doesn't matter what it is but if you have a passion for that i think as long as you can do what you feel as long as you can do what you want to do when it comes to your own art your own truth and people that appreciate it support you in the way where he puts food on the table puts a roof over your head then that's like the perfect that'll be the perfect world for you right yeah totally yeah totally yeah but not every job's gonna be like that no. <laughs> like some jobs is like i i would rather not be doing it this way so yeah it's like people know your skills they want to use your skills for their for their own reasons exactly yeah. yeah and the best clients to work with are those where you can sort of um find out what they want and do it in a way that you can really feel like like super proud of the work as well not feel like oh i'm just being like a, I, I just don't i don't really like this work like that's not a good way to do it so i've i've really tried to walk that line of yeah. of everything i do i'm like i really am proud of it and and enjoy the process and want to be doing it because at the end of the day being an artist it's it's fucking hard work yeah. and um if i'm not enjoying the most enjoyable part of it what's the point like what's what's the there's no point like i'd be better off just going and doing something else that pays way better and is like a real sellout thing than selling out on something i'm supposed to be enjoying yeah so what would you say your, the percentages of all your work you've done on walls in auckland have been the perfect scenario for you what percentage have been perfect what percentages yeah you know what I mean? Um, like, yeah. in, t- in totality, mm. like of all the paintings I've ever done, as the ones that you felt like you I just mean, described, that are even the some of job. the free ones. I'm like, I didn't. It was like, even if it was free, I'm like, I didn't do what I wanted, really wanted to do because there was like constraints. But you usually find a way through that. So free ones, we won't count them. But all the all the commercial or paid jobs. Um, man not much like not much where i not was i not happy with um maybe like five in total i think i've if i if i was if i was to sit down and really write down like how much money have i actually made off art i don't even want to say the number it's no i'm not gonna say the number um but i've been i've been employed as an artist for for wanna so it's you know Man, COVID's been. Yeah, how was that? COVID's been wild. I mean, how wild was that? I feel like I sort of lost three years of my life. Really? (laughs) Just like. 
Is that because there's no work at all? Just drying up? No, not not the work. Just the um, just the time has just it's like time dilation. I just yeah, because yeah. I I'd imagine that if lockdown you you can you you're outside by yourself, no one around, just do your work, all right? Well, perfect time to do your work. I just used it as an excuse to not not go. <laughs> mm. I th- I t- sort of turned to a bit of a hermit, eh? So the restrictions affected your work. Um, did the did the dry up during lockdowns? It wasn't so much the restrictions; it was more of the um, like I mean, if if you're running a business and you have less people buying stuff off you, what's well, the you're not gonna pay for the first thing you're not gonna be buying yeah. is art. Like so, that was kind of the that was the effect on me. But I think nah, honestly, it's all just if you go out there and create the opportunities, the opportunities are there. You just have to be persistent, and and there's always going to be struggles and difficulties, and the government and whatever. There's always going to be problems, but if you just go out there and persistently um, find the opportunities, they're there. They're there. People people want to engage and stuff. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're doing your artwork, does does the idea come to you that day, or or you have the idea before and you want to express it? That's a good question. Um, so, the the design, like, not design, but the creative process of coming up with how you're going to lay something out and what you're going to paint and what colors you're going to use and what style you're going to do it and all these things, that's actually, like, at least 50% of the work like if you do a good job on that part painting it should be pretty easy but if you don't do that stuff and then you just and you just start painting on the wall that can that can really affect the outcome you can you can get a real pile like a bad painting um but some some people are super talented and can just seem to spit out good art no matter what i'm i'm not one of them i have to i have to really work to create good art um i get lucky sometimes but yeah it's it's a so that 50 percent does it take how long does that take for you um the prep this is where this is where painting the same image over and over again as a street artist comes in handy is because you you want to be doing the same thing over and over again because then you can get good at doing that thing so you'll see the best artists repeat the same image over and over again that's why many of these bird artists they're doing the same it's the same general sort of mural it's like the same layout or the same you know what i mean like the composition of the work is relatively the same like the background yeah it's hard to explain but um if it's modular, then you know exactly what Modu- it's going to work. That's a really good word for it. Modular, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you do this, that, that. It's like a, it's like a process, and then you can you can just repeat. Whereas, um, I think in the street, I, I, I sort of do both. I probably shouldn't. I should probably focus more on doing the stuff in the street as as mo- as modular as possible because then it's quicker. Um. But because I have permission to do everything I do, I get to sort of play around a bit more. Yeah. Whereas if you're an illegal artist, it's way more like you'll you'll produce way better work illegally if you just do everything as modular as possible. Repeat, 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 repeat. 
and then if you're going to play around do that at home when you have time because you don't have time to play around if you're doing it illegally you got to just quickly smash it up i saw um i remember i've seen the seen the piece of street art on the side of the building on k road opposite um cantina there's that building where the old tavern used to be and it goes down the street goes down from Cairo and on the on the left hand side I guess the building there's a a painting of a police officer is it is, is that you? no where where was this? it's on some Cairo Road you know where the canteen is? the canteen restaurant? you know where the bridge is on Cairo Road the bridge yeah I know the bridge yeah yeah and then if you if you go at the end of the bridge going towards town on the if you're coming towards town on the left hand side of the bridge the first building is, is a bar the old tavern i think it, now it's a backpackers now yeah yeah on the side of that building there's a piece of artwork on the side going down that that street that goes down Do you know what road downhill. it is uh, no don't know but do you know what i mean is that the it's the first building at the end of the bridge I've got a wall around there, but I don't think it's the same one. It's not a cop, so it's definitely not it. Where is it? It's, um... At the bridge? Okay, the bridge. This is K-Road here. K-Road. On the side. Oh, okay. No, I don't know. I'll check it out, though. Hmm. But there's there's a lot of I saw you work on the um on the rubbish bins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got in trouble in K Rode. I I did a. If you have you you've googled my name right. Yeah. There's like I've done like quite a few news stories on like um different things, and one of them was like um about this heritage building in town. I like painted the side of it and got um a bit of trouble for that mm. that was actually what that was what initially soured the relationship between me and the council right because i love the heritage buildings yeah can't, can't do anything into this because i kind of um i got permission to do it from the the tenant who was who was like leasing the building and she was fine with it and then but she didn't really like no she didn't really check it out properly. She yeah. didn't... I think she, she'd she just got fucking cancer, man. So she was... I don't think she really cared at that point. She was just like, go. So I just painted the whole building. And then, um, like, three stories up. And then the landlord found out. And the, and the building owner found out. And the property manager found out. And then um, next thing, I'm like on the six o'clock news and in front of this building how long ago was that like three four years ago oh <laughs> and the council didn't like it that i'd sort of they sort of um there's a oh yeah there's a dude, dude that works for the council he's like the graffiti prevention advisor or something <laughs> some shit is he old he's yeah he's fossil yeah, yeah, yeah. his name's tony crampton <laughs> and i mean they're all the same really they all just they all just have a have a sort of 
really twisted view of what a graffiti artist is and what our intentions are and all these negative negative assumptions about what this whole thing's about and he just saw me on the news sort of laughing about the fact that I'd gone and painted the heritage building and I think I said something like um we shouldn't be sacrificing the heritage of our existing culture our, our people alive now for some white wall of a bygone era like as far as I'm concerned yeah. that building that <clears throat> I painted that heritage building um it's like it's just a coat of paint man like you I have not affected the building at all the heritage building mm. will still exist doesn't matter like it still if you see the building right now you would never know that i had painted the mural on it so who cares well like, it's like it's like all the buildings down k road like from the corner of k road where art art spaces yeah go all the way down to queen street like all those buildings are original buildings yeah if you look at the old black and white photos you can just tell you, you see them they don't even look like what you see on k road but yeah. they are the same buildings yeah 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 they just painted yeah and got and got shit all over them Unless you look up close and see the window frames and all that, yeah, yeah, and you you have the you have those black and white photos with you. They're fine chucking billboards all over them and flashy yeah, yeah, signs exactly. and all this, yeah. but some graffiti, <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah. So, man, what's uh, so any big um, jobs coming up for you for the council or for private? Um. At the moment, I'm. Oh, this is a plug, man. I don't want to do this. Um, plug it, man. Plug it. I'm just doing the. I'm just doing the the schools at the moment. I'm doing um, oh. teaching, teaching with students. Yeah, what what's that sort of industry like? Because it makes sense. Primary schools. Yeah. They need a lot of color. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm teaching yeah. little kids how to paint. It's so it's so cool, man. Yes, yes, the teaching, but the walls too in the schools. Like. Yeah, we're gonna paint murals in the school with the students. But not just one school; it has to be a lot, a lot of. Schools. I hope I get more, but the one I'm doing it with, it's it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little kids like they're like five years old. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you even you teaching the kids that's that's something that's good. Yeah. See, you got stuff to enjoy. Yeah, teaching kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do it um, every Friday. <clears throat> so every Friday at the moment. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. my buzz till the end of the year, I think. And then, see what what's up with the school thing? Because it makes sense to me. Like, I didn't even think of it now. I just thought of it when you just said. But that is an obvious place where murals should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're into like painting kids stuff, <laughs> kids things. Yeah. You're not gonna paint like a werewolf or something, or maybe like a political thing in the school but you know but there's a there's walls there to be painted yeah you know they're asking for it yeah it's it's a it's a it's the salesman sort of thing right you got to be able to get in there and get past your gatekeepers and get to the right person and then sell them the project and get them to agree to pay for a a product and that's you know that's that's 50 percent of being an artist is having that skill set and um i'm not the best at it but i'm good enough that i can get in there and um consistently get work mm. so yeah that's and i think over time the more you work the more you get into a community the more um 
you you build a network you get more people who want to work with you they can see your track record they know that you've worked with someone else and then they can trust that you're going to do a good job for them and then you get more work done so you get better at what you do and then it's all just uphill from there i think you Mm. sort of get momentum yeah yeah (laughs) i'm I'm just real i'm i'm pretty honestly i'm pretty um i'm pretty picky like i used to i used to do every job that got offered to me but now i'm like oh i'll just do the i just do the ones that i actually want because if i'm doing all of them i just i'd rather focus on doing the few that i want to do really well and even if that means i'm not making much money it's just Mm. it's um not as stressful and yeah i'm sure i'm sure eventually i'll have to i'll have to change the attitude but for now it's like i'm just enjoying the yeah i think that's a good position to be in if you can choose what you can do choose your job if you're in that position you know what i think you are so that's good i'm not not financially i should i like if i was making the correct financial decision i would take every single job offered to me but I just think long term, I would rather get really good at doing these jobs that I want to be doing than filling my time doing all these jobs I don't want to do. Because mm-hmm. if you do the jobs you don't want to do, guess what? You're going to get more of those jobs. And then if I'm doing jobs I don't want to do, I might as well like quit this job and do something else. Because mm-hmm. it's not like it's not easy. It's hard. Yeah. So that's my sort of ethos I've sort of been developing is focusing on having good mental health yeah first. yeah yeah it's a f- yeah it's, it's funny that dynamic because eh? you know when you say that like you don't want to do the work if all the work out there is the work you don't want to do you know it's, it's someone behind the, the trend is behind it and behind the trend is someone yeah you know and the power is with the council with the with the business association or whoever right because they these guys that own, own, own these walls right so, yeah, it's a hard one, eh? When it comes to art, you know, you want to do what you want to do, but, you know, you're not the one that owns the wall. The one's going to pay you, so. And <clears throat> if someone asks you to do a job, or if someone asks me to do a job, and I know that what they're telling me to do is bad, and it's not going to look good, I can't display the work in my portfolio, I'm not going to get any more work from the job. No no follow-on work. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you have to know who the client is first yeah. before you say here I am. Sometimes you'll have someone who's like real pushy and they just want to they want you to do it a certain way and it's like that's actually bad like that's not going to look good bro like you got to trust me like and, and then they get someone else to do it and it's like see I told you. <laughs> it's like <laughs> How'd you end up with your name, the artist name? Ares Artifacts. It's um, Ares Artifacts. So Ares is the Greek god of war uh, for Mars. So that's like Mars. And then Artifacts is um, like Artifacts. So Mars, Artifacts. So um, like precious objects from Mars. You're a big fan of Mars, eh? Yeah, yeah. That's where the whole like um, Mars obelisk, the uh, Mars obelisk thing. I was mm. thinking of changing my name to that, eh? That one. That'd be kind of cool. Well, they had all these movies. They all these. They had all these movies in a row about Mars. The Martian. They had Martian with um, what's the name? Yeah. Born Identity guy. 
I'm pretty sure the first mission to Mars will be called Ares, so that name's going to be like maybe a bit famous in the future, but not yet. It'll be like Apollo, you know, the Apollo program. Yeah, yeah it'll be like that. I reckon. Do you believe they went to the moon? Huh? Well, did you do you believe they actually went to the moon? Oh, or? Cer- certain. Absolutely. Or wasn't that Stanley Kubrick directed? Nah, that's a in the warehouse. It would have been harder to fake it than it would have been to just do it for real. <laughs> like the cameras were so bad back in those days, and mm. the whole like production, everything. Whereas, yeah, because I because I tell you, I, ne- I never thought of it. I've seen those things. Though. I've seen those those like conspiracy videos. I never thought of it until those conspiracy videos first came out. And the thing that got me was, why didn't we go back? Why didn't we go back? That's a really good question. Why didn't we go back? Why aren't we going because back? Because the um, the Americans won the Cold War. The 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 space station. They cooperate now. They're all friends. The Soviets and the Americans. They're working together. The whole prestige thing of we beat you. That part went away. The whole impetus of the space race was the Cold War. That's why they were doing it. It was to be like, we're better than you. Capitalism is better than communism. That was why they were competing to get to the moon. And then the Americans won, and the Soviet Union, um, like, they started working together on the space station, and then the Soviet Union collapsed, and then it's like, okay, we... Don't need to go. Don't need to go. Well, it's also (laughs) like... They realized that the co- by going, they realized how expensive it was to get there. Mm. And it was kind of like, um, how do you explain it? It's like, w- until the technology is at the point where it's cheap enough to actually go and go cheaply, it's not worth going back. Like, it's better to wait until we've got the technology to a point where we can, like, go for quite cheap and keep going back over and over again and then start going all the time rather than going with the stupidly expensive like that that satin thing that's like re- the the cost of going is like like out of this world like astronomical what's that the satin the satin five rocket the one that oh, they okay. went to the moon with hmm. um yeah they've only been to low earth orbit since like just yeah. Just like this far off the earth. And that's where that space station is. Yeah. Mm. Like, you know, Musk trying to get to Mars. Is he still doing that or no? He's giving up. No, that's 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 the that's the goal. They're working on the um the super heavy right now. You know what that is? No. So the super heavy. Oh, it's a it's Starship. Yeah. So Starship is the fir- It's uh, the the design of the Starship is. It's going to be the first fully reusable spacecraft ever designed, ever. So it's like every spaceship that they launch, every rocket that they launch to space, you throw away the booster, right? Yeah. So you you get like your little ship into orbit and then the booster, like the big 747 piece, that falls into the ocean and is destroyed. Yeah. So your, your $100, $500 million rocket gets or 100 million is more like what these things cost maybe maybe 500 million depends but that rocket is destroyed and you have to build a whole new one every time you go so the starship is going to be like let's have a fully reusable system where you can fly like multiple times in one day and all you have to pay for is the fuel so that will enable us to 
the math the math on this is actually like totally crazy so one one starship will be able to in its service life launch so one star i think it's in one year one starship launching like one day per year doing one launch per day per year will be able to launch more stuff into space than every single launch of every single rocket ever launched in the entire human history and this is one rocket doing right. all of that so once they've built a fleet of like a hundred of them or a thousand of them we'll be able to increase the amount of stuff we put in space by like an order of magnitude like hundreds times more stuff in like a couple of years so if you project forward to once we have this once they design it and it's working properly it'll be like 10 years and we'll have like massive orbital space stations there'll be a base on the moon there'll be the, right. they'll be starting to build a city on mars it's the materials eh? getting the materials up there to do to enable them to build each ship can mm. carry a hundred tons mm. so it's just cargo like they'll be just be putting stuff into space people they'll be using these things for um transport on earth too it won't be just in space you'll be using this to go from earth to earth so you'll go from New Zealand to London in one hour. This is crazy. This is like changing. This will change the whole way we do international travel. You won't have to sit for 24 hours to get to the other side of the world. You can just go straight away. Because I, I saw they were trying to do the train thing, the bullet train all under the sea. So you can go yeah. quickly to different countries. The, um, the Hyperloop. Mm. That's the last time I heard about yeah tra traveling alternative traveling to different countries and and in this amount of time the hyperloop's good for like um cities that are like one or two hours away from each other where like because you know when you you know when you take a plane it's like most of the most of the flight or the the parts of the flight that take the longest is, up. is takeoff getting up to altitude and then slowing back down again and coming back down and landing so flights where you have a really like you just go up and then straight back down those flights are real inefficient the better flights are the ones where you go up and then you fly for a long time and then you land so anything where it's over three hour long flight these are these are good flights this is where you keep it as a plane but if it's like a two hour flight you're actually way better off using that hyperloop or or like a bullet train so this is where we'll hopefully get this technology up and running in the next like decade where all the cities that are real close together like auckland to hamilton or like brisbane to gold coast or maybe maybe even melbourne to sydney you could connect that with a bullet train but yeah anywhere where there's two cities that are real close together like san francisco to la this is where they'll use that that hyperloop and it'll that'll change things too it'll turn like a two-hour commute into like a 10 minute 20 minute like i gotta keep on keeping up to date with what's going on i haven't i've, I've lost track of of that all that stuff there's the a past few months there's a really good elon musk video to watch it's like the um the latest ted talk it's on the ted talk website or whatever i think it's on youtube so ted talk youtube it's like one hour it's him in the factory 
talking about everything. Man, he's like the he's like the Thomas Edison of our generation sort of thing. So that's why I mean, people like some people hate on him, and it's like whatever. Like you, you know, it's just he's just that person of our generation. It's like, <laughs> there's not you can't change it by not liking him. He's fifty-fifty for me. He he's, does he says some good stuff, then says some dumb stuff. Yeah, but the technology yeah. he's he's inventing will change our way of life forever. Like the electric cars, the Neuralink thing that'll go in your brain and make you be able to talk to your computer, um, space travel, um, yeah, some other stuff. There's like the underground tunnels and shit like that. You know anything concerns of all that, especially the brain stuff, the neuro chip. Everyone, you know. We've heard all the conspiracy theories these days. Everybody's worried about control and all of that. Well, you've, I've, I've, I haven't, I haven't read like enough about this to to be like expert or anything. But you've got your like, um, you've got your flight or flight instincts in your brain, like your, um, I think they call it your, your reptilian brain, mm. which is real primitive. Yeah. And then you've got your mammalian brain, which is a bit more advanced. And this is the same thing that like a monkey has. And then humans have like um, the the outer layer of the brain, like the gray matter, which allows you to basically um, think ahead and think of tomorrow and come up with like plans and, and um, calculate things and really be like scheming and cunning and all these amazing things that makes us be able to be humans and um your phone is already another you're already a cyborg yeah we're just holding it rather than yeah you're just holding it (laughs) and it's just a terrible data transfer rate like you have to like like this is not this is not efficient (laughs) very inefficient what is it we went backwards we used to type like this and now we're like dunk, dunk, dunk. <laughs> it's like we've gone we've got we've actually gone worse but the secret is convenience right we're constantly trying to change we're constantly trying to push technology to make things more convenient and the next step with the phone is yeah in the brain so it makes sense right yeah mm. yeah it's just you know trying to transition the safety part of it we'll see there's actually a um there's a cool there's a cool um art correlation with ai which um is um something i'm going to be trying to use to plug one of my holes which is um the the thing where i struggle to make samples right and i'm going to try and use the ai to um to like help make my samples better because I think I can do that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do some experiments with that, and hopefully I can make something interesting. I'll show I'll actually show you one. So, but you, you do have a portfolio, though, don't you? You can show them. Do they get an idea of what you can do through your portfolio? And then yeah, they can but say, this is... and then they can say, oh yeah, just go, just go nuts. Like you can you can tell the AI what you want it to make, and it'll make the picture for you. Or you can you can feed it something, and it'll spit out like iterations of it. So I gave it that image, and I said, "Show me some variations of this," and it like gave me these. Oh shit! You're using the same technology eh? that I've seen that before. 
that because the concern was AI. The other the article was AI can now be artists yeah. and can create something. Oh, look at this! This is Auckland. I'm like trying to I'm trying to come up with like this is like Auckland being blown up. That's awesome! <laughs> like there's lava coming off the Harbour Bridge. <laughs> so I was gonna make like a um, make like an art exhibition of like um the apocalypse and first some zombies in there as well <laughs> cool way that's so cool way mm. i saw i think i saw a painting you did the painting there of a fire yeah in front yeah of the, of sky the, tower. the sky tower burning because <laughs> that actually happened there oh I, I thought it was a you did it to because of that fire outside. yeah there was the fire in yeah. the sky tower yeah, yeah. yeah on the convention center mm. yeah Sweet man. Look, we just did three hours. Is that three hours? <laughs> Damn. Did it feel like it? Yeah. Man, you know what? I, no, I it didn't. It went quick. It went real quick. Yeah, yeah it gets like that. But now, nah, man, hey, Jesse, man, f thanks for, for for coming in, man, and having a chat with me. Yeah, thanks for having and, me. And yeah, good to meet what, you, bro. No, it was good sure. to um, talk about what you do because you must be the the only artist that gets um, news time. The only artist in Auckland that gets news time. So it's good to get you in. And because uh, when I looked you up on, on, on Google, man, you got like a few articles, man. You got a few, uh, I think News Hub done a couple I articles think on like you. there's like 15 or 20 different news stories in the last few years. Oh, hell yeah. You know? And it's just you causing shit, causing trouble, causing havoc around the city. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's good, a, man. It's, an, it's, it's a little bit of an angle. Um, but if if that's if that's how I need to go about it, I th I think of that generating that news stories is another form of art. Like it's if I if I can use that platform to bring attention to the topics that I'm trying to put pressure on, um, then that's a win for everyone. Oh, the, it is a win. The look, you brought you here to this podcast. Yeah, so. bro. Hard. hard now it's good. It's good. It's good to see that you did that. Use the platform, and it's good to hear your story. And man, especially like the thing about what you did with the 3D war with the tagging that's cool that's really cool man that's really awesome yeah 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 i should really um come to your i'll come check out your new pad and um i'll give you some art to put in the in the studio if you want. appreciate that man appreciate that thanks jesse have a good uh, week and yeah, let's uh wrap it up. and um yeah we'll wrap it up but um yeah man you're welcome to come back i'll probably yeah it'll be cool if you come back maybe you know after a few few months and we'll have a catch-up Sweet. Thanks, brother. See you around. <laughs>